This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Ken Carmen Show. With Anthony Lima. Greg Williams with us on the hotline. I think it did a very good job on some of the protection mechanisms to slow down the pass rush. I think they did a, a much better job on chips and doubles. Nitty gritty football. football. Nitty gritty football. Buffoon, Orbit Topper, 19 Uber, Jailbreak, Ralph Chowder. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, in protection on how they were chipping the protection, slowing the protection down. Give me the nitty gritty. And making sure that Miles and some of their top pass rushers had a tougher time getting there. I thought CJ did a fantastic job, CJ Stroud, on getting rid of the ball against some of the looks and pictures that the defense was presenting in the first contest. That was a lot of nitty gritty football on Cleveland Sports Radio. 92-3, The Fan. Well, good morning. Stay safe out there. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder. We're filling in for Ken and Anthony today right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima on 92.3 The Fan. Some big news last night that I think caught a lot of people off guard. Certainly, I'm one of them. As Ohio State hired Bill O'Brien as the new offensive coordinator, which... I didn't realize, Daryl, they had that position open, which is, I think, the thing that caught me the most off guard when that news came across. Well, what does this mean for Brian Hartline? What does this mean for Ryan Day? What does this mean for a lot of things? That's it. I was really taken aback by that. I really was. Bill O'Brien is here to save the day. I mean, is Bill O'Brien going to be the reason Ohio State and Ryan Day finally beat Michigan again? <laughs> is Bill O'Brien going to be the reason why Ohio State's tough enough again? Are, those are the questions I have. Uh, I hope so. I, I mean, because what has transpired at Ohio State under Ryan Day, frankly, is unacceptable. It unacceptable. is. Unacceptable. Um, your, your rival now has the upper hand on you. Your rival now has ascended to where you were and kicked you off the perch. And so now it's Ohio State that is having to play catch up. Now... Buckeyes might be getting some more good news in the coming days if some guy named Jim Harbaugh, the the great cheater that he is, ends up in a league where you can get away with cheating yeah, a lot easier, unless you're, his, the, unless you're the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Well, as his brother said last week, scouts are allowed to travel to games in the NFL. <laughs> Real quick right. before we move on. Reckless speculation. And now we're covered in a court of law. Thank you, Owen. But, like, I mean, th- this I- – I still, by the way, can't believe the report that came out this week that apparently Harbaugh wants in his Michigan contract indemnification 
from any and all investigation. I can. I can absolutely believe that. <laughs> he wants to protect himself because deep down he knows what happened. Of course he knows he cheated. Yeah. I would. If I were him, I would want that in my deal. Wouldn't I mean, you? Why wouldn't you? I have to say, I am really rooting for the NCAA to repossess the national championship trophy. But the thing is, it's not an NCAA trophy. I know. Like, that's the thing. And that's where all of this is going there, by the way. Like, all of yeah. this, college football as we know it, Ohio State is going to participate in a lot of NCAA championships, just not in football and probably not in basketball. Those are yeah. going to become separate entities. Like, that's not going to be governed by the NCAA And, and now you got law, lawsuits being thrown around over NIL and, 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 you know, paying these kids. And we've got kids eligible for nine years down in Miami, apparently. By the way, I got to steal this line from Tommy Boy. But people that go to, year, uh, go to college for more than seven years, they're called doctors. Yeah. <laughs> like, go get a job, man. <laughs> like, that's a long time to be majoring in football. Yes, it is. Um, but look, I, I think this is a good move for the Buckeyes. Um, I don't think it's a, a slight on Brian Hartline in the least. Brian is an excellent coach. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent recruiter. He produ- he recruits and produces NFL talent uh, on an annual basis. Uh, I, I think that there is something to be said for uh, O'Brien having worked with Belichick, having worked with Saban, having run his own uh, thing. But I just am not sold that he's going to save Ryan Day. That this is the one move that, especially in the current environment that has become professional college football, Mm -hmm. and let's be honest about it, it's professional college football now except for the kids aren't getting salaries. Right. Well, they're, um, they're getting paid by people other than the actual school. The, the, col- the collective. Yes. Is that right? Am I using the right terminology you are. here? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, like, and sign your contract with the collective Correct. to get your piece of the pie. But I, that's, that's what college football has become. That's what college basketball uh, has become, the days of building programs. Uh, you, you basically now have to bu- – these college coaches now, and I don't really feel bad for them because they're making $10 million a year, but you have to build your team on an annual basis now. It's no longer, you know, hey, you know, we, we got a bunch of kids that are in the third year in the program, and so this is the year where they're get, things are going to come together and, and take off. Building a program is now a like it has been for a few years now in college basketball. It's basically a, a one-stop shopping spree. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's called the transfer portal, right? It's not what it was five years ago. And that's why even when the Alabama job was open, that's why Dabo Swinney wasn't considered because the coach he was five years ago isn't the coach that he is now. I just, just want to know, though, if um, uh, can you like trade your jersey in at the Ohio State team shop if you buy a player's jersey and he transfers the next year? Do they have a partnership with Dude Wipes? <laughs> do they? If they do, I would think so. If not, you might be out of luck. I'm not sure how that works in Columbus. First 100 to the team shop wins. But, I, I mean, look. I, the line it, is forming now. It, it just, it's, it, it's hard to keep up with all these changes and adjustments and whatever. But um, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Ryan Day's in trouble in Columbus. And, frankly, he should be. Because 1-3 and three against Michigan, 1-3 and three in the college football playoff, 
completely unacceptable for what you're being paid and where you are coaching. It's not up to what Ohio State's standard is and should be. And the other thing I'm curious, was this a move where Ryan Day thought, okay, I need to go out and do this, or was there pressure from someone else? We know there's a new athletic director who isn't on the job yet. He doesn't, Gene Smith doesn't technically leave until July. But he's really good with those buyout contracts. I hear he pays extremely well. But to do that, you've got to fundraise. And we know Ohio State has no shortage of cash, and they never will because they're Ohio State. That's how that school's always going to work. But I do wonder if this is a, you are on the hot seat. You need to go do this, or your seat's going to get turned up even more. That's the type of thing. Is Was there pressure applied by the university, by certain very influential boosters to go out and do, and make this move? Or did Ryan Day just go, you know what, I need to do this because we're not good enough? That's I, the question I don't have the answer to. I think Ryan Day read the room. I, his, that's that's to, a fair thought. To, to his credit. Sure. Let's give him credit. He read the room. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, uh, as a Buckeye honk, I, I do not like the fact that they now all of a sudden lose to Michigan. And not, I did, not I did competitively. Not like it, I, I did not like it growing up. Thank you, John Cooper. Yeah. Um, and I don't like it now. I thoroughly enjoyed from 2000 to about 2020 mm-hmm. where they just kicked the crap out of the Michigan Wolverines every year. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, and that became the standard. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yes, Michigan fan, you had a bad two decades against the Buckeyes. It went very poorly for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this millennium, Ohio State 2, you won on the national championship scoreboard too, by the way. Yeah. And congratulations. You, you finally made it. Good, good for you. Golf clap for you. But, still counts. Uh, still counts. Um, I don't necessarily agree with maybe some of the tactics you used or have allegedly used uh, to that, get there. That, truthfully, I don't even – by the way, I don't think a, they need to, needed to use. Maybe way, early on, but like this past year, I thought Michigan was the best team in college football. They were. And cheating, whatever happened, whatever didn't happen, I don't know as far as this specific year that just ended, they were the best team I saw. And I don't know how close it was. I think someone should buy Ryan Day a Connor Stallions cameo congratulating him <laughs> for hiring <laughs> Bill O'Brien. How much is he going for on cameo? I saw I he know. was on there. It's that... I expected him to just disappear into the wilderness and him doing an about face and being on cameo and becoming this public figure that was at the national championship game is hilarious. What's up, Mitch looks up $75. Apparently you can get a customized video from Connor Stallings on cameo. That's awesome. worth it. Uh, by the way, it's going right shout for out ticket. Shout out Hugh Jackson for the cameo to Ken and Lima before the playoff. It was nice of him. That, that's when I knew things. Nice that he showed up and gave That was the first time I was actually worried about that playoff game for the Browns. Yeah. I went in, man, I went into that I was week. like, we can't have Hugh Jackson stink all over this upcoming game. And it and worked. It worked. I was uncomfortably confident that they were going to win that game. Like, I just had so much faith in that defense. I had so much faith in Joe Flacco, even though Joe Flacco had been Joe Flacco the entire time. I was just so uncomfortably confident. And then seeing that video, I'm like, oh, nothing can go wrong. And everything went wrong. (laughs) Silly me. Everything went wrong. That was the first sign of trouble, actually, when they played that. The cameo was perfect, though. It was amazing. I I like the fact that Hugh Jackson has enough self-unawareness to where he's willing to do that. Yeah. that's You have to do that. Well, it was it was very nice for our show and and gave us a little more fodder for the week 
for, for the game leading right. up to. Unfortunately, we had a lot of fodder this week after the game as well. Yeah. 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 So if you are driving out there, stay safe. Snow, not fun to drive in. I as I look out the window, it's only getting a little bit worse. It's I not don't getting think the hard, better. I don't think the heavy stuff's gonna come down for a while. It it seems as if we only get one or two of these a year now. And it's just the worst when it comes. Man. Yeah, it downtown is. and west. Yeah, I think they, well, to the east side, the you get it every day. Still getting it. Yeah, right? but that's a different world for me. Yeah, today, that's true. Today's not the day to drive like a knucklehead. Take it easy on the roads. Um, some areas you can't even see that you're driving on a road. Yeah. Some freeways you can't see that you're driving on a freeway. I was very happy that they just decided not to plow ninety on my commute in. Because then at least there was no dedicated lane for everyone to drive 20. In. Also, get out of the way of the plows. Yes, let them do their jobs. You know, let, give these guys the room that they need so that they can get those roads clear and make them safe for you. But it's uh, – this storm is as advertised. So far. So, so far. far. We'll give it to, I think it's supposed to snow until like 11 o'clock tomorrow right. morning. Yeah. And the, and the heavy stuff's not supposed to start until around 11 a.m. Let me yeah. tell you, there was a cheer that went up last night. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We received the automated phone call from school that said they w- they would not have to go back. I have high schoolers in their finals or in their midterms right yeah. now. Listen. They've gotten one day of it this week <laughs> because of the cold and now the snow. I, I really hate to play the old guy card here. Well, you're going to. But growing up, it did this every day from the end of uh, October until – Mid-April. And I'm sure that was really rough when you had to walk to school uphill both ways. Yes, it was That had to make it worse. And you know what? We didn't have days because it was too cold. We didn't have days off because it snowed. (laughs) Like, I mean, there there were days like my mom would drop, you know, school would start. They'd want us in homeroom around 8 because officially things would start like 8.05, 8.10 or whatever. Mm -hmm. The the bell would ring. Um, there, There were days mom would drop me off at 8.30 for school. Uh, and there'd be a half a foot of snow that we drove through to, to get there. And it so. just was what it was. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, but, you know, times I, I am a little jealous. Times are different now. You get all these vacation days from school. Temperature dips below freezing up. Too cold to go to school. Do they? What not, is do, the temperature needs to be to have school call off? I don't have kids, so I'm not plugged into well, this. Well, it was a wind chill of negative 15 on what day did they take off? Wednesday for us. I know some schools took Tuesday and Wednesday, had Monday off for MLK Day. 
Like I said, what uh, a week! Uh, what a week was, for the kids. It was midterm week for us, which was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I have four high schoolers right now. They've been one of those days. Extended Christmas vacation for the well. That's for it. The you know, they went. They had the two weeks off plus a day after the new year, or two days after the new year. Went back for six days and then back to two days. Hey, listen. Week. If the kids can attend Chiefs Dolphins, they can go to school. That's, that's true. That's fair. So the kids have basically had seven days of school in the last month. Yes. Not a bad life. Wow. Not a bad life at all. Stay safe out there. It's, it's going to get worse. If you don't have to drive anywhere, don't. If you do have to drive somewhere, slow down, spend a little bit more time with us. I think that's the fair. They're showing right now on TV, 271 North at least has a lane cleared right now. looks like people are kind of moving there, so. And a water main broke downtown. Yeah, so if part you're of East Ninth is closed. East 9th. Around East Ninth, yep. Yeah. I saw that on my drive. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like fun. That does not look like something I would want to deal with. And of course, it happens on a day like today. Right. It couldn't happen yesterday. It couldn't happen next week when there's not snow. It happens today. Well, days like today caused does. the water main breaks, unfortunately. Sure. But yeah, That's be fair. careful. Take it easy on the road. You know, it's uh, give the give the plows plenty of room to operate and work. And, uh, you know, today is not the day to go 90 no. in a 60. Spend a little bit more time with us. Not the day to test the front wheel drive or the four wheel drive. Right. It's just nice and easy. You ever just find an empty parking lot and do that when it's snow? when it's like not a ton of snow, but enough snow when no. you were younger? Did you ever do that? Absolutely. I thought Danny, I lived in Anchorage, did. Alaska and drove a 1990 Chevy Cavalier. So that was your you summer. Did a lot of Fast and Furious whipping <laughs> through there. I, too, had a Cavalier at one point and I did the same thing. In I just realized my parents aren't listening. Yeah, I, I did. That e-brake you that was right there. You were about your parents. Yes. <laughs> How old are you? Oh, trust me. Old enough to know better. <laughs> oh, thank you. Old enough to know better. <laughs> Come on. I mean, yeah, those, again, those, those are the good old days where we could get away with things like that. Now they have cameras in the parking lots and... And all that. Yeah. It's just, you know, the cameras and lawyers just ruin everything. Well, it's great. The ring doorbells now and... The ring, yep. Your neighbors will see every mistake you make. And yes. we all will, too, on TikTok because yes. that's where all that stuff ends up. <laughs> yes. If you're driving out there, stay safe. Spend a little bit more time with us. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham. Filling in right here on 92.3 The Fan on The Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. Someone was in a better mood yesterday. We're going to talk about that next. So much can happen around the globe that we never hear of. I'm good. I woke up yesterday. I'm, I'm ready, man. I've got controlled fury. Whether you play your guys, rest your guys, as you know, you can't rest everybody. There's roster limitations to that. We're still going to win it ugly. There's going to be those moments that separate from wins and losses where somebody's got to be more gritty. You can always tell that, you know, awesome fan base from afar, but we were in the playoffs a couple years ago, so I'm sure they were pumped about that. Now the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night. So after uh, being sent into the great beyond that is the offseason, right after the game, probably not the best time to ask Mike Tomlin about his uh, particular contract situation. In fact, it was a quick exit stage left for Tomlin when he was asked about that. Got out of there quick. Good twitch off the podium. Still Um, got it. But uh, yesterday, I guess Tomlin... Held his uh, end-of-season 
autopsy. And um, yes, the contract came up again. Good afternoon. In a little better mood today, man. Anybody got any contract questions? I'll say this. Um, I certainly could have handled uh, that situation better than I did, but I'll also say this. Um, I just believe there's a time and place for everything, and post-game press conferences are probably not the place uh, to address contract issues. I certainly could have handled that situation better than I did, but I'll also say this. I just believe there's a time and place for everything, and post-game press conferences are probably not the place to address contract issues and things of that nature. It's just a very individual thing, and on game day, I doubt any of us are in that mindset. Certainly, I am not. What's required to do what it is that we do, the amount of focus pouring into a collective, I'm just not in that mind state, and I just don't believe that's the appropriate venue to talk about things of that nature. I didn't think it was an unfair question. I didn't. I understand why he didn't want to answer it, but I didn't think that that question, I believe it was Brooke Pryor of ESPN that asked it. I didn't think that question was totally unfair out of left field, Daryl. Did you? Uh, I didn't. And as someone who's in that room, I would probably ask that question as well. Um, But um, I think all he had to say is that'll be a conversation for another day instead of just walking right. away the way that he did yeah just the, we, um, the exit stage left just getting over 31 17 okay um it was an adventure getting to buffalo we're now having to leave buffalo and the last thing on my mind is my contract or what just the, the walking off thing just it, it not a good look not mm-hmm. a good look I, I do appreciate that he can kind of make light of it or try and get a, a little bit of a chuckle out of the gathered media when he brings it up to start the very next press conference. I do appreciate that because I think it's him recognizing in some senses that, okay, I might have been just a little bit off there. Like, I might have been wrong with what I did. So I appreciate that aspect of it. But I thought the question was fair. I did. I will hey, say this. He's challenging Kevin Stefanski for driest sense of humor in the AFC North. Yeah, and listen, I don't need my coach to be funny. I just want my coach to win football games. Like when Kevin Stefanski got hired. We did have Freddie Kitchens at one point. Yeah, and he didn't didn't win football games, though, and that's ultimately what I care about. I remember listening to Kevin Stefanski press conferences in 2020 when there was nothing else going on in the world, and it's like, wow, this guy is boring. But they're 7-3, and and this is awesome. Like, I will take that trade off 100% of the time. Give me boring and winning. I would so much rather win boring than be the laughing stock. Now, that don't the you at least were. have to have a coordinator that's that's worth a listen to that comes in on yes, Thursday and gives it helps a hundred percent. You've got it. You got to have a guy that picks you up. And to Stefanski's credit, I give you Jim Schwartz. Like that's that's what you do. Maybe they'll have two in a couple weeks. <laughs> Maybe they'll have another guy like that's that. Good point. Maybe that's why. Alex Van Pelt had to be shown the door. Maybe he just wasn't funny enough in press conferences. Maybe that's the issue. All right. uh, The other Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. Both good coaches. Yeah, both very good coaches. uh, Allowed to send scouts to games in the National Football League. That made me laugh when he said Um, that it did. Also very important detail to pass along to his brother. Yeah. Well, he'll pertinent. have no issues with with the Chargers if he is hired there. But uh, when you are the number one seed in the uh, in the conference, you get to chill out and chillax and watch on television to figure out 
who you might prepare for. And uh, apparently preparing for the Browns, or not having to prepare for the Browns, I should say, was, uh, I guess, not that big of a surprise. I thought they were a very good football team week one. They haven't surprised me or they haven't surprised us. They've, they've done pretty much what, what I thought they were going to do. They're a very good football team. They're very talented. They play very hard. Uh, they execute at a high level. The, you know, CJ is just doing a phenomenal job. We give you the Houston Texans instead. You're welcome. I don't think that's a shot at the Browns. I don't. I think that the Texans are really good. And the yeah. Texans are really good. If they won this weekend, I wouldn't be surprised because C.J. Stroud is that good already. C.J. Stroud's really good. That's what it is. And, and Demeco Ryan seems to be a good leader of men in his first year. Right. Did, well, well, and their offensive coordinator's awesome. Did right. you see the clip where he basically said, do this and you will come away with an interception of Joe Flacco? Yeah, and he was right. And that was six points for Houston right there. Like, I was impressed. Hard not to be. Really hard not to be. I would not I would not be surprised in the slightest if we're talking about Houston in the AFC championship game next week. It that, would not shock me. That right there is coach of the year material. Yeah, it is. It absolutely <laughs> that, is. And I think most years You're giving your ballot away there, Daryl? No. Oh, no. Okay. I, I, I I don't I don't believe I'm allowed to do that. Okay. Sure, I did sure I did, you can. No, we won't, I, we won't Mike tell Florio anybody. writes whole columns on it. I what know, are you talking I, uh, about? I, I filled out my pro football writer's ballot last night at the last minute, as I do every year. I wait till the last minute, and uh, I, you know. Wait, so playoffs can impact your ballot? Nope. Nope. My my. Then why is it not due until after the first round? Well, because well, cause we need time. To watch the playoffs and no, change your we, opinions. No, we need time to actually. <laughs> That's what you need time for. Do you know for. how long it took me to do it? Because it's, it's uh, awards, so. Yeah. MVP, offensive, defensive, you know, coach of the year, assistant of the year, executive of the year, yada, yada, right? It's a lot, yeah. All those. Then you have the all-NFL team. Then you have the all-rookie team. Mm-hmm. Then you have the all-AFC team. Then you have the all-NFC team. That part's dumb. That I don't need that. That that takes time. <laughs> it took it's me, a lot. It took me last night about two hours to, to do all that, to get to get through everything and feel really good. Because then, once I had everything filled out, then I spent, like, the, the last, you know, 30 minutes going back and forth, making sure that that's exactly what I wanted to do. So, did your choice for Coach of the Year change based off of a did certain not. wild card game played in Houston? Did not. Did not affect anything. Okay. My Defensive Player of the Year vote, completely unaffected. My Darryl, executive... blink once if it was Kevin Stefanski. Blink twice if it was D'Amico <laughs> Ryan. Nope. Not going there. Come on. It's, we got uh, cameras. Oh, he just blinked. He blinked. <laughs> he blinked. You weren't supposed to say anything. I didn't say how many times. I just said you did. This is true. This is true. Details. Remember. They matter. You are allowed to scout in the National Football League. And then uh, news yesterday yeah. that concerns the Cleveland Guardians and where you may or may not be able to watch them in the upcoming season. Of course, Diamond Sports Group has been going through this bankruptcy now for about a year. Amazon apparently is willing to try and help them get out of it, infuse them with some money. Um, They have, I mean, Amazon basically prints money these days. So um, apparently, though, the Guardians may not be involved in this whole Amazon deal, which would be a disappointment to me because I, I have Prime. Yeah, I, I think most people do. I don't know very many people that don't have Amazon Prime. 
And this whole thing is entirely more confusing than it needs to be. Shouldn't we just know whether or not we can watch our local teams? Shouldn't we know what channel they're going to be on or where they can be streamed or what you need to do? It or is... have the app actually work when you try to use the app? Oh, oh that's a, that, that is the worst part of all of this. But it is January 19th. Free agency is going on, I guess. Not that the Guardians are ever very much part of it. But wouldn't it be nice to know how much money they're going to make from a TV partner this year? And, and I think and, that that's the biggest problem for, or not problem, but challenge for them. Yeah. Is this impacts their bottom line. Yes. Severely impacts their bottom line. And I'm sure has affected what they have done this offseason. Because let's be honest about it. It's not a much better baseball team. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Than it was this time a year ago. No, and the the funniest part of it is their payroll right now is like a half million dollars or something more than it was opening day last year. Every other team in the Central has cut money. Like they have spent the most money in the American League Central. There we division. go. How about that? Coming through again. You know, despite what some they spend people money might on anything say. else. I'm just glad Austin Hedges is back. Hey, they could have gotten two Shohei Otanis this year for what they're paying Austin Hedges. And that's about last night. Drive safe out there. The snow is continuing to come down. Take your time. Spend more time with us. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham filling in right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. 216-474-0092 if you want to jump in. One offensive coordinator hire was made last night. Does that impact another opening? That's next right here on The Fan. It's the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima right here on 92.3 The Fan. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder filling in for the guys today, taking up until 10 o'clock. Kickoff with Boomer Esiason and Mike Valenti as they answer all of the questions surrounding the playoffs on Friday night at 7 p.m. That's just before overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Listen on the Odyssey app presented nationally by Casamigos Tequila, Casamigos brought to you by those who drink it and Lowe's, Lowe's knows home improvements. So, Daryl, last night we got the breaking news that Ohio State and Ryan Day have hired Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator. Didn't know they had a vacancy there. Curious what it means for Brian Hartline as he was entitled the offensive coordinator. Obviously, Ryan Day was the play caller before. But O'Brien was someone who I thought was going to be involved in the Browns' search for an offensive coordinator. We know they fired Alex Van Pelt earlier this week. Came as a surprise, certainly to some. I was among them. But as a guy who he has worked with some of the best quarterbacks we've seen. He was at Alabama when Bryce Young won the Heisman. He's worked with Tom Brady. He has done a lot of really, really good things with quarterbacks. Oh, by the way... He was Deshaun Watson's head coach in Houston once upon a time. Yeah. And I actually don't think that Bill O'Brien, the coach, was the reason it didn't work out there. I think it was more that they gave Bill O'Brien say over player personnel, and that was a disaster in Houston. But I I was of the opinion that he was someone we should see come into Cleveland for an interview for this job, 
and that was really my first thought when I saw Ohio State hired him last night. Yeah, and I, I think that the Browns coordinator search will basically entail anyone and everyone who's ever worked with Deshaun Watson. Like, because that's what this is really about. Yeah. It, it is about getting your $230 million worth out of a guy that right now you haven't gotten $2.30 out of. Um, You've gotten more than that. Okay. You've gotten $20. Fair. And 30 cents. More but, than $2, but not 230 That's yeah, for sure. I, I mean, well, he's got to be available first. Yeah, that, and that's a big part of it. And right. some of that is not controllable. Some, some of, of it, it is. Some of it was. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that when they made this move it, it, to, to make the changes on the offensive side of the football, it was with Deshaun Watson in mind in that, We've seen glimpses from him, right? The Tennessee game this year, he was outstanding. Yeah. He would have thrown for 300 yards had he not been given the last couple of series off. Had they um, not called Amari Cooper out of bounds. Well, that too. Um, the second half in Baltimore, where he led that comeback. They win 33-31. He's 13-13 in the second half, playing with the shoulder injury, playing with the high ankle sprain. Great right? mix of... Throwing and running in that head. Like, that right. was that was the best we saw Deshaun Watson. It was. It, it was. And and then that was the last of the best that we saw of Deshaun Watson for the year, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, uh, availability is a big issue for me with Watson going forward because this is a guy that's not played a full season of football now. Uh, I'm very good at uh, – very terrible at, at math. Uh, it, it, I'll just say it's been a while since he's played a, a full season. And, and since he has played a full season – they have now added an extra regular season game to the schedule. So, um, that He's not played a full season since 2020, correct? Yeah. So It's a long time, man. It's a problem. It's a really long time. He's played, what, 12 games since then? Yeah. And those 12 games have been the last two years. Um, so, I am worried about, his, about Deshaun's durability going forward. But um, the organization, they can't think like I think. They have to think like I thought this year. Deshaun's going to play all 17 games. We're going to, you know, roll everything around him and, and whatnot. And look, AVP did, a, at least from my perspective, I thought he did a really good job the four years he was here. Sure. Nine different starting quarterbacks. Five of those were this year alone, right? Um, he, I, I thought Baker uh, in 2020, one his second best season, obviously this year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is his best season in my view, but that was his second best season. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett is not why they they started last no. season. Four and uh, seven. Four and seven. It was because the defense couldn't stop anybody. I don't think there's a quarterback that they have had since the Kevin Stefanski era started. P.J. Walker won a game this year. Exactly. I don't think there's a quarterback they've had since they've started that hasn't played their best football to date. Right. DTR won a Other, game this elsewhere. year. Elsewhere, yes. I mean. They have found ways to win with everybody, except for Nick Mullins. He, and he almost won that game against the Raiders. Yeah. Almost did. So, uh, again, I, I think AVP did a good job while he was here. But I, I also certainly understand, okay, we kind of know how you think and how you want to draw stuff up and things like that, but we want to get a, a fresh look. Yeah. It, it, like, it's okay that you want to get a fresh look at things. 
It There's is. nothing wrong with that. Change is not always bad. Right. And we saw last year. And there they, doesn't always have to be cause for change. Right. Sometimes, Sometimes you you have change just because you want to try something new. So, Daryl, I have a question about how things went with AVP on the team. So, just to clarify, like, he was the offensive coordinator, but not the play caller. Correct. But who was making the – who was drawing the plays Both. during the week? It was a collaboration between him and Stefanski. So, is that something we should expect going forward from the new guy? Is it this guy's got going to bring in his plays and do the play calling? Do we have any inclination on what they plan to do? What they – there's two schools of thought. Stefanski's earned the right – to keep calling plays. And I think it's probably the thing he does best. Right. It It's not, and I have been on, the, I've been consistent with this from day one with him. Well, everyone's like, you got to hire a coordinator to call the plays and you just be the head coach. I have been quite okay with Kevin Stefanski calling plays. Yeah. I, th- I think he's done a pretty good job. And he would have done an even better job if the execution on the field was what it needed to be at right. times. Okay? And that's not to say, so... So often, because this conversation drives me nuts, I'm very much in the same bucket as you. I think he does a great job calling plays. That doesn't mean I agree with every play that he calls, because there are so many people out there that yes, think third if and you— three in Seattle still makes me angry to this day. Or the reverse with Pierre Strong and right. Elijah Moore against Denver. Yeah. Just because I think Kevin Stefanski is genuinely and does most of the play calling really, really well doesn't mean I love everything that he calls. Yeah. But there are people that want to paint you as— oh, you think he's a good play caller, what about this play? Yeah. Okay, yeah, he can have a bad play call. Find me a coordinator or a play caller that doesn't. There's, right. It doesn't exist. Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco, that offense is great. You know what? He's not perfect. Right. He's not. No one is. And, and so, now, if Stefanski wants to give that up, he's also earned that right because that's a lot of energy you have to ex- expend during a game. So, if he wants to... But I, I will say this, that Andy Dickerson does not strike me as a guy that's coming in to call plays. This is a guy, uh, first of all, he was here with Eric Mangini. He was a defensive quality control coach for the first year in uh, 2009 or uh, 2010. Then he moved to the offensive side of the ball to help out uh, as an assistant there. Uh, he was with the Rams for nearly a decade and didn't get a promotion. He was an assistant position, uh, assistant offensive line coach for nearly a decade with the same organization. Uh, then he, uh, up in Seattle, uh, one year uh, he was a, a run game coordinator uh, and then uh, an assistant position coach. So um, the other thing that they do, and we're going to get into this later in the show, but they interview up. Yeah. So maybe while Andy Dickerson came to town to interview for the offensive coordinator position, that doesn't necessarily mean that that might be the job he's ultimately we will get to that coming up a little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour. We will have Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer joining, joining us to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers coming up at 9 o'clock. But the play-calling conversation is the one that everyone wants to have, but no one really does. That's next right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. I'm Danny Cunningham. He is Daryl Ryder. We're filling in right here on 92.3 The Fan. The fan. Is exhausting, and I think what I've tried to get to with with certainly our offense is uh, the fun part for me is putting together the game plan, working with the coaches Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, trying to put our guys in position. When it gets to game day, you try to really get out of the way as much as you can. That's something Jim and I have talked about, and that he talks about defensively is 
you've prepared the guys, get out of the way, give them stuff that they can go execute at a high level. Uh, but in terms of the play calling, it's exhausting. You, you know, you get through those games, you're making decisions every 35 seconds, both on offense, on defense. So uh, that you, you're you're spent after a game. That's Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski in January of last year, just under a year ago, right here on this show with Ken and Anthony talking about the play calling, how exhausting it is, and is that something that could come off of his plate when the Browns do hire a new offensive coordinator? I think it's something that certainly makes the opening more intriguing if that's on the table. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder. We're filling in today for Ken and Anthony right here on 92.3 The Fan. If you're going to work, if you haven't left yet, leave a little earlier. Give yourself an extra couple of minutes. The weather is what we thought it would be. Also, if you're coming downtown, there's a water main break on East 9th. So a significant chunk of East 9th is closed. I don't know exactly what intersections are, but just be careful. Give yourself extra time. Spend a little bit more time with us on your way to work. That's the best advice I can give because stay safe out there. Driving in the snow is no fun, especially as traffic picks up during this hour. More people are going to work. I hit 35 on 71 and was thrilled. (laughs) You speed demon. (laughs) It was that kind of a... I don't want to tell you how fast I went on 90 then. It was that kind of, well, every time I hit, tried to get up to 40, I kept getting the little, uh, you know, sli- slippery road indicator light flashing. Getting a little loose in the yeah, turns. Yeah, getting a little loose there, so I had to back off the excess. So, yeah, just, just be careful out there. It, it, it's sloppy. It's messy. By the way, it used to snow here in Cleveland every day from Halloween until Easter. Uh, I realize we don't have that all that much anymore. Winters do feel like they changed. As much as I want to paint you as the get off my lawn guy, winters (laughs) do feel like they've changed. They don't feel like they once did. It it has. It's changed quite a bit. So just, as Danny said, be careful. Get out of the way of the snow plows. Let those guys do their job so that they can keep the road safe for you. Uh, You know, don't tailgate. Let's not be playing bumper cars out there. All right? That's my... Thank that's you. that's not get off my lawn. That's me being dad. Thank you. you and I don't have the 480 bridge looking like it did the other day. When, oh my goodness! That was yeah. when it was closed. Yes. Miserable. I could not imagine being stuck in that. That would drive me nuts. But th- with the offensive coordinator opening that the Browns now have, obviously the number one conversation isn't even. And I do think this is kind of funny. Isn't even who the Browns should go after. It is well. Will this person be calling plays? This town has become yeah. obsessed with Kevin Stefanski <laughs> as a play caller. Like, that is the hot-button topic all year round. If you want to light up the phone lines, it's 216-474-0092. Should Kevin Stefanski call plays? He's the winningest coach since Marty Schottenheimer. But that's the conversation always. I'm just throwing that out there. So we heard him coming. When we were coming back from break, we heard him talk about how exhausting it was. Reg Williams was on yesterday with Ken and Anthony. He was asked about it as well. You know, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I don't know. But that was one of the things that I thought about yesterday. He did a very good job of doing what needed to be done to bring Jim Schwartz in. And it wouldn't be, you know, shocking to me if he finds the right person that has that connection of offensive style with Deshaun Watson, that he moves away from calling the plays and becomes the total team manager and especially the total team decision maker on game day. That is, I do think, Daryl, that it makes the offensive coordinator opening more enticing if Kevin Stefanski does move away from the play calling 
if you just don't have to do all the work behind the scenes and you can actually do something during the games. Yeah. yeah. If, as Greg Williams put it, if he becomes the total team manager as opposed to someone right. that has to manage the team as well as calling plays, but in the same breath, I think it's the thing he does best. There yeah. are certainly nits that can be picked with him as a play caller, with him as a head coach in other areas. But overall, I've been really pleased with that experience, and that's not something I necessarily want to change, but I do think is going to change. I, I do have a candidate that we can cross off the list that will that is not a candidate and will not be a candidate. Bill O'Brien. Well, I, true that 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 actually is factually correct. Um, Matt Canada will not be the next <laughs> Cleveland Browns oh offensive coordinator. I, I think we could I, I think we could just cross his name off the list. Him? I was gonna ask, do you have inside sources, but that's just an obvious <laughs> Him? That's, that's from the Captain Obvious file. The Steelers firing a coordinator the day after losing to the Browns <laughs> might have been the highlight of the season for me because we for so often have seen Browns teams go to Pittsburgh, lose and fire a coach. And to see them come to Cleveland, lose and fire a coach was the best thing I, I saw you, all year. You're leaving out the most important detail there. Not just fire the coach after losing to the Steelers again, but firing them on the bus before they yeah. even get back to Berea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the Steelers were on the bus or if they were on the plane or when that firing happened. But. Guys, we have Thank to go you. back to Pittsburgh. Thank you. 216-474-0092. Cool Ray in Bedford. You're first up on the fan. What's up, man? Hey, good morning. Y'all want y'all, you and your family to be safe if y'all got a travel out here today. Let's get that out the way first. You too, Ray. You bet. So here it is. I don't agree with a lot of things that people say, but listen, I just listen to what people say out their mouths. If you listen to that interview realistically, does that sound like a man who wants to be a coach? Does that sound like a man who wants, who loves what he do? But that's not like somebody who's got an opportunity to make a lot of money. He's going to do it. Let's not fool. Every let's day, let's right. let's not start this morning off fooling day, each right. other. We will never get a high-profile offensive coordinator. It's going to be someone we've probably heard of, but never who who really wasn't that good. And Kevin Stefanski is going to continue to run his team, my my team, into the ground. You guys give him credit. I get credit where credit is due. I give credit to the defensive coordinators. I give credit to the uh, to, to those players who decided, no, enough is enough. And you just say, I think, Mr. Ryder, that he's the winningest coach at Monty Schottenheimer? Yes. Do you really understand? Do you understand that ever since the Brown, my team, the Browns, have come back, we have been in disarray, period, where we, we, we was never in a position yeah, to I, win. I, think, we never I really... think it's the guy that has covered the dumpster fire for 25 years. That Yes, I do understand that it's been a dumpster fire for 20 of the 25 years, but since Stefanski's been here, it has not been a dumpster fire. They have made the playoffs twice. Uh, they have won 11 games in a season, which, oh, by the way, under any other head coach that preceded him and after Marty Schottenheimer would have been inconceivable to think about this franchise winning 11 games in their entire tenure, let alone doing it in the same season. Yes, I uh, believe it or not, this may shock you. Yes, I do realize that the Browns have been, shall we say, in constant turmoil, but that's not what they have now. They, they, they have a guy, and, he, and, and Danny, you've said it. He's not perfect. No. There's no such thing as a perfect coach. No. The next perfect coach will be the first one. You know Correct. who's not a perfect coach? Bill Belichick, the greatest football coach ever. Not perfect. He's got six rings. Not perfect. No. He's interviewing for, for jobs right now. 
And that's not to say Kevin Stefanski is Bill Belichick. I'm not saying that. But to say that he doesn't deserve credit is asinine. And, Ray, thanks for the call. But I'm sorry. That's so off base. He's 37 and 30. He's the first coach in the expansion era since this team has been back to even be above 500. Well, Danny, welcome to morning calls from Cool yeah. Ray where he just uh, goes after Kevin Stefanski because it's very clear that he, he does not like him. And that's fine if you don't like a guy. Sure. But you do have to recognize yeah. where the team has been since 2020 and, and who has been in charge of the ship at that point. I don't understand. And listen, Daryl covers the team on an everyday basis. I've lived this. And I Every am... January, people get fired. I am a Browns fan, right? Sometimes they don't wait till January. I don't understand how you can watch this team with everything that they went through. A lot of adversity, some of it self-created, most of it not. And then see the result and not be sad, not be satisfied with the year in total. I get being upset about last Saturday. They had four I quarterbacks win games this year. It's four. insane to me. Do you know how long it used to take the Cleveland Browns to have four games, or I should say four quarterbacks win a game? Used to take a damn decade. We went two years without four wins. Right. Like, I mean, what, what, what are we doing here? Look, again, I, I realize Kevin is imperfect. And and I've been critical of Kevin at times. But he, I, I think he's done a great job. And, and here's the thing, too. He's not stuck in his ways. No. You know, last year, and I'm talking about after the 2022 season, he realized, right, that they lacked cohesion as a team. That that was one of the factors that prevented them from reaching their potential. So what did he do? Hey, we're going to take training camp on the road. And I made fun of Stefanski for this. But it worked. He, but he was right, and I was wrong. I And look, I have no problem sitting in this chair saying I'm wrong about something. We're going to go to Philadelphia for a week for right. joint practices. We're uh, going to do things as Nick a Sirianni team. Nick Sirianni came here last year. We're going to repay the favor, and we're going to go to Philadelphia this year, right? And maybe break the Eagles. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stay out in uh, in Los Angeles, go from Denver to L.A. We're going to spend another week to get And oh, by the way, turns out Joe Flacco, that that is what ingratiated Joe yeah. Flacco to the locker room, the fact that he was out hanging with those guys and getting to know them and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, him changing from AVP to whichever coordinator he hires and whether or not he calls the plays or doesn't call the plays or whatever, but Kevin Stefanski is not stuck in the, the it's my way or the highway. It, he's he's willing to evolve, and, and that's, what, that's what the good coaches do. And we just saw it last offseason on the other side of the football. Yeah. We just saw this happen a year ago on the other side of the football. 216-474-0092, Drake in Cleveland. What's up, man? How are you doing today? I just wanted to say um, it, it, it sounds good to hear you on the radio, Daryl. Um, Appreciate you. The Browns, man, they gave us an up-and-down ride, but it was like one for the for the centuries, for real. I'm 50 years old. I ain't had that much fun in a long time. I was involved. I was, you know, I was in the season. I was on every decision. And truthfully, you know, it's gonna be it's always going to be some naysayers because they don't want to be wrong. So they're going to wait until they're right with whatever point they're trying to make. I had fun. I'm hoping that it continues this year when Watson come back healthy. I know we got a lot of questions, but I'm very optimistic for the season. Thank you for taking my call. Drake. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's where you should be. I know that's a call. The way you wanted it to end in Houston. That's where you should be about the team. Yeah. Now I'm ready to go. 
I love this song, by the way. Oh, this song's great. How can you not? If you don't love this song, you don't have a pulse, Daryl. I feel better after Drake's call. I me do. Too. I feel much better after Drake's call. Ray had me wanting to pour one out at 7 in the morning. <laughs> in a snowstorm. Again, in a snowstorm. be careful out there if you're driving. Take a little bit extra time. Spend a little bit more time with us. We've got Fix My Life coming up at 745. Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com coming up at 9 o'clock. A lot about the Browns trying to hire an offensive coordinator. One off the books because he's in Columbus. Who could it be in Cleveland? That's next right here on 92.3 The Fan. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham filling in for Ken and Anthony right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. It's the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder. We're filling in for the guys right here on 92.3 The Fan. Browns are still searching for an offensive coordinator, a guy that maybe could have been a candidate, and Bill O'Brien is now in Columbus at Ohio State. So they'll have to look elsewhere. I thought O'Brien was someone that did intrigue me, Daryl, just because of his previous experience with Deshaun Watson. And ultimately, that's what this hire has to be about, is making it work with Deshaun Watson. They've got too much money invested in him to look at this in any other way, I think. But I do... I like the list of candidates we're seeing. And the one to me that stands out the most that I actually, if I were to make a prediction, right. As far as who I think is going to get the job, it's going to be Clint, Clint Kubiak. That's my prediction here because the history he's got with Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota, who his dad is in Gary Kubiak and what he has meant to Kevin Stefanski. And the fact that he's currently working in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, I think all three of those things point me to thinking he's going to be the guy. And I'm not so sure that Kevin would have to give up play calling. So what you're telling me is that in this particular scenario, Kevin Stefanski is Mike Holmgren and Clint Kubiak is Pat Shermer. No, because he's coming from success. Oh, okay. Because Clint Kubiak is coming from a place where you know, he could be on a Super Bowl winning staff this year and no one would bat their eyes at that. Like yeah. that is a very realistic possibility. Yeah. And I also think having similar philosophies, which Stefanski and Shanahan do, I think Shanahan does things a, a bit better. And I don't think many people would argue with that. But coming from that coaching tree into this one, yeah, I think is a really good thing for this organization. It would bring enough fresh ideas where it's worth it, but also not rock the boat too much. Yeah. Another guy that I, I I think could possibly fit very well. And of course he has history with Deshaun Watson. And in my view, anyone that has had history and success with Deshaun Watson should be a candidate, Tim Kelly. Yeah. Um, The, the change in, uh, in Tennessee with Rabel being out, um, you could bring him in here. And again, I don't know if, uh, you turn over play calling duties to him, but the reality is he was Deshaun's uh, offensive coordinator back in 2019 when Deshaun led the NFL in passing and, and was an MVP candidate. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this whole situation is about maximizing Deshaun Watson. That's what every conversation this offseason for the Browns has to be about because has we know yeah. – the rest of the team's really good. We can expect Jim Schwartz to be back. He's not going to be a head coach anywhere else. I right. think 
that playoff game against Houston really put the nail in that coffin. He can be back. The defense should be maybe not, quote-unquote, best in the world the way that they thought it was this year, but it should be really good again. It's all going to be about that quarterback position. They're going to need to get a little bit more out of that because they might have some less in some other areas, but the rest of the team is ready to win at a Super Bowl level. If the quarterback position isn't, they won't. Yeah, and they are going to have to make some upgrades. They, they obviously are going to have to address their depth on the offensive line. They're going to, uh, I think they have to find their next Joel Batonio yeah. at some point here um, to get that player ready so that when Batonio is ready to call it a career. Say goodbye. Uh, you have somebody that's ready to step in. The best time to draft a player is when you don't need the player. That, honest to goodness, is the best time to do it. You never want to have to draft because you need. Yes, that's what free agency is for. Free agency is right. for need. Draft is for development. Right. So, um, and the receiver room needs to be addressed as well because I, I don't think that they got the production out of that group aside from Amari Cooper, who had a career year. <clears throat> Setting that aside, I don't think that they got the, the production that they needed. But what still stands out to me about everything that, that took place this past season was the fact that Joe Flacco came off his couch in the middle of November after throwing passes to his 60-plus-year-old dad and brothers. He comes, he comes off the couch, and he has a five-game stretch that's better than anything we have seen from the Cleveland Browns since Bernie Kosar. Yeah, that's the reality. It's the sad reality of the situation, but it's the reality of the situation. So, from my standpoint, the pressure isn't just on the Browns as far as this coordinator situation and whatever assistant changes that Stefanski decides to make here this offseason or the organization decides to make. Um, to me, the pressure goes on Deshaun Watson. I don't know that there's another player in football that's under more pressure next year. And I think it could change depending on how the playoffs shake out. Like if Lamar Jackson comes up short, and doesn't win a Super Bowl. There's going to be a ton of pressure on him. If Josh Allen loses this weekend to Patrick Mahomes, there's going to be a ton of pressure on him. After that, I don't know who could be under more pressure next year than Deshaun Watson. And the instant pushback is, oh, all his money is guaranteed. He's under no pressure. That's not the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is, while, yeah, that money's guaranteed, the difference between the Browns being a Super Bowl contender or being a good team is Deshaun Watson, and that alone carries a ton of pressure. When you haven't lived up to what you were supposed to be for four years now, that builds in so much more. Yeah, and and it's not and the reason why there's the pressure on Deshaun is because the organization can't get out of it. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out in 2024, the organization then needs to start thinking. Well, we can't keep kicking the can down the road. At some point, we should just swallow the salary cap hit and be ready to move on from him when his contract is up. And you'll have a first-round pick again. Which that is the, by the way, I have just now given you the worst-case scenario Correct for the Cleveland Browns. And I think a lot of people have thought about that. I, I think it's fair to have thought about it with how this has gone because how is it and I don't want to hear the rest thing anymore. I'm tired of hearing that. Joe Flacco oh, made Joe, me Joe think Flacco, that I'm done hearing about rest. Joe rest, Flacco excuse me. wiped out all the excuses. Wiped out all the excuses. And it, look, this isn't picking on Deshaun. This isn't hating on Deshaun. Mm -hmm. But it, it's reality. 
Joe Flacco was sitting on a damn couch in the middle of November waiting for his phone to ring, hoping his phone would ring. And it did. And then he put together arguably the best stretch of his career. This is a guy that won a Super Bowl MVP. Okay? Deshaun has never thrown for 300 yards for the Cleveland Browns. Joe Flacco did it in four games. Four straight games. Deshaun Watson in 12 games has thrown exactly one more touchdown pass than Joe Flacco threw in five games. Mm -hmm. So, I and I realize not everything's about numbers. But some of it has to be. Right. Some of it has to be. It's not the whole story, but it's part of the story. It's just like PFF grades. Not the whole story, but part of it. Right. And, and so when you're making $46 million a year, I have expectation that you play at an NFL MVP level. You have I'm not to. saying you have to go out and win the award. I'm not saying you got to go out and lead the league in passing or touchdown passes or whatever. But you know what? You need to be in the conversation with Josh Allen, uh, with Patrick Mahomes, with Lamar Jackson, with Tua. Okay? You have you, to be a top seven quarterback in football. Yes. I think that's the line. Yes. 100%. I, and I think that that is a fair expectation. It's a fair expectation that you're going to be available. I'm worried about his durability. And, and, Everyone and, is. And, and that's not a talent thing for me. And again, I'm not picking on the guy. It's, re, it's biology. The body can only take so much. And when you haven't played a full season in a couple of years, some by choice, some because of things that you were accused of, and then most recently because, unfortunately, you got hurt not once, but you got hurt twice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there is a reality that the body can only take so much. We've seen that with him. That the and it's frustrating he got hurt when he did. Yeah. Because there had been times where we had seen flashes. We saw gleams. To- there, and, and I'm talking in individual throws. I'm not even talking about him starting to string things together. Yeah, he was awesome against Tennessee. He was good against Arizona. Arizona was not an NFL team at that point, though. They were that bad. Right. With Clayton Toon starting a quarterback, that team had no business being on the field that day. Right. He was really good in the second half against Baltimore. He was and incredible. I, I mean, I can't believe that he played with the injuries that he did, number one, and then number two, completed all 13 passes and led them to a comeback. They, they won in Baltimore, it, which is something the Browns rarely do. Like, with the injury that he was dealing with, no right. less. And, and then we find out it's, it's, a, it's a broken bone. that It requires surgery because it's in the, in, in the, the, the rotator cuff there. Mm-hmm. And, Again, I don't consider this disrespect toward Deshaun. I don't consider it hating on Deshaun. No. I just, we're just having, from my perspective, we're just having a very real conversation about the situation that Deshaun is in. It's an uncomfortable truth about the Browns. And and that the Browns are in. Like, they they have a lot invested in this guy. And and at some point, they need a return on that investment. Now, we could probably have a debate to our blue in the face as to whether or not he is he was worthy of that investment but, but that, look, that that's inconsequential it doesn't matter it happened it right. is what it is you have to live with it at this point that we could talk about it but it doesn't change the fact that that's in the past and the organization right now their sole focus is where it needs to be and that is making this guy the greatest player they can by surrounding him both with coaching as well as talent on the field Mm -hmm. that's going to allow him to play at that level. Because we've seen the glimpses. The Tennessee game was phenomenal. I thought he was great. 
The second half in Baltimore, phenomenal. Thought he was awesome. great. Last year in those six games he played after coming back from the suspension, we got to throw here and there. We got to drive here and there. But when I watched Joe Flacco come off a couch and do what he did, throw for 300 yards in, in four straight games, which is something he never did in his career, and no Browns quarterback has done in decades. Insane. Okay? It's, it's insane. And by the way, this happened – and, and this is the other piece to the puzzle. This happens all the time in the National Football League. Right. Except here in Cleveland. Correct. Okay? Because the bar and the standards have been so low. All I'm doing is elevating the bar of expectation. Well, the standard in Cleveland has changed. Yes. Even going into this year, I thought it was, if you don't get to the AFC Championship game, we can look at this as a failure. Things changed. I don't look at it that way anymore because of all of the adversity they had a quarterback, all the injuries they had a quarterback. Would have been nice to make a playoff run. Not happy about what happened last Saturday in Houston. I don't think anyone is. But it's hard for me to look at this year as a whole and say anything other than it was a success. It's not what I hoped it would be at the start of the year. But you have to adjust your expectations as things happen in the National Football Next League. year, if they miss the playoffs, it'll be devastating. Uh, it'll be next a colossal year, failure. Next year, if they don't win a playoff game, it'll be extremely disappointing. Yep. Because, again, the, the, the bar is being raised. Like, I think expectations should be, and I, I get the AFC's loaded. Steeler fans have been begging that organization to fire Mike Tomlin year after year after year, and all that guy has done is deliver winning seasons for them. For 17 straight yes, years. Yes, they haven't had the, the playoff success. They haven't won enough Super Bowls to uh, make them. To uh, be fair, we've got people here that want to fire Kevin Stefanski after going 11-6. and six. Uh, we in fact For as off-base as they are, we, we heard – from Ray in Bedford earlier today. <laughs> he wants like... <laughs> Stefanski gone. Despite everything good that's happened, he wants him gone. So we've got to be fair there. We've got those fans too. We do. Bad time to point out that Kevin Stefanski is the only coach not named Paul Brown to win 11 games in a regular season more than once. I think every time is a great time to point that out. But okay. I, I, I'm a Stefanski homer. I think he's a really good coach. I would like to see him with the Browns for a long time. I if don't I'm wrong, I'm wrong. An, I don't think that's going to be an issue. But that's that's what that's what I think the best path forward is. 216-474-0092. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder. We're filling in for the guys here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. Deshaun in Cleveland. What's up, man? Fellas, oh, my goodness. Listen, man, I want to ask a question. What was our last thought that we had after Monday morning, after Deshaun Watson came back from the Ravens? Wasn't our thought as a fan base, oh, my God, the shine is ready. The Browns are ready to go to the Super Bowl. Was that not the thought? Directly Monday morning, that was the thought, correct? And, yes. and then he came home with a broken shoulder. And then okay, it changed. So, so, okay, so just because he has a messed up shoulder, that ends all the speculation. By, by the way, that's, it's, it's the shoulder he throws with. So now he can't come back from the shoulder, right? Now now he can't come back from the shoulder. That's impossible now, Daryl? I'm no. not saying it's impossible, but my, my point is, though, uh, that the, the body is what the body is, and when you uh, ha have sustained an injury like that and when you have not played full seasons prior to that for a couple of years, I think it's fair to be worried about his durability going forward. Daryl, where is the precedent – for a quarterback that has played 12 games in three seasons, right? That's what we're going to call it. 12 games in three seasons. Goes through a surgery on his throwing shoulder 
and then plays at an MVP level. What precedent is there for that? You are much more of a football historian than I am. Where's the precedent there? Because that's what I, and listen, I want the Browns to be good. I do. I want the Browns to win a Super Bowl. At the end of the day, they need the quarterback to be really good for that to happen. But the question I keep asking is how does that happen after all of those things? I'm not saying it can't happen, but that's why I'm worried about it. Well, here's the thing is I think some folks are taking me raising these issues as, again, hating on Deshaun or whatever. If no. it's not praise, it's negativity. Right, and but that's not what it is. It, it is reality. You have to think of it. Nick Chubb coming back from a, a second reconstruction of his knee. Worried about that? What, what's the reality that he's going to be the same player? Like, let's be honest about that. I love Nick Chubb. He, he's one of, you know, he's a fan favorite. But the body, the body can only do so much. Deshaun is one of the hardest working players. And that's why in the middle of the season, I got so angry with the national media who get to lob their grenades from afar and they're not out there when they were talking about, oh, Deshaun's here just cashing a paycheck. I defended Deshaun on that because he's not just cashing a paycheck. And it's why the Browns are so excited about his future. You heard Kevin in his, his postseason wrap-up constantly saying, I'm excited about what Deshaun's going to be able to do for us in 2024. And a big reason why is because of Deshaun's work ethic. We have to wait and see. That's all we can do. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham. We're filling in for Ken and Anthony right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima on 92.3 The Fan. We've got Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com talking Cavs with us coming up at 9 o'clock. But up next, we've got an update on Mitch's first date tonight. That's straight ahead right here on The Fan. It's the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. I'm Danny Cunningham filling in. He's Daryl Ryder with me. 92.3 The Fan is looking for a winner. Enter the word award at 923thefan.com by 10 a.m. for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards. It's Tuesday, January 23rd at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Starts at 530. Celebrate Northeast Ohio's top athletic achievements in the 2023 year from high school to the pros. Tickets available at clevelandsports.org. Again, enter the word award now at 923thefan.com, courtesy of the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission and 923thefan. So I listened back to yesterday's show last night, just to using the Odyssey app, the rewind function is great. Just so I could you can get go back to 72 hours, Danny, by the way, just hits people in the Odyssey station. I actually didn't know you could go that far back. Just keep going, Danny. That's we awesome. did great stuff on Wednesday. I'll have to check it out. So you can listen to this show on Monday. Wow. I'm sure a lot of people are going to do that. So I wanted to listen to Fix My Life to get just to understand the segment a little bit more. Mitch, you have a first date tonight? I do, yes. What have you figured out between the time that this segment was done yesterday and right now in regards to that date. The location and the reservation. That's all I've got for okay, you Okay, right so now. you've got a reservation. Are yes. you worried that the snow is going to screw this up and you're going to have to reschedule and all this was for nothing? No, I don't think so because the place is close enough to her that I don't think it's going to be so big of an inconvenience. If this was in the middle of the city, then I think we might be in trouble. But because I'm play- essentially playing a road game, we're good. Are you sure she's going to show up? This, by the way, I'm not picking on you. This is a legit question. No, I mean, I, I say I'd say eighty nine percent sure. 
Why why are you 11% unsure? Well, you got to keep you got you got to keep yourself a, you got to have realistic expectations at times too. You got to be a realist in today's society. I don't know, 11% seems pretty high to me for a first day. No. <laughs> what side of town is What side and, of town? I'm not going that's to okay, ask you. Okay. I'm not going to ask you where you're going. Don't need that's the okay. name of the location. Don't even don't even need the city. On the east side. Yes. You're doing east side. All so right. you're going west snow. to east here. Yeah. With this snow, you're doing east side tonight. Yeah, by the, by the time we go out there, the roads will have been plowed. I, I know the snow will That's still be going think. down, um, but I think we'll be okay. I'm rooting for you, but man, it's, it's tough ass with the snow. It's going to be worse out there. It's going to be worse on the east side than it is here. Yeah, well, she, has, she hasn't canceled yet, so I'm good so far. Have you thought about hooking up with a plow driver just to get you out there? Hmm, that's 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 an idea. Are you gonna get her there? Are, are you gonna call Mister Plow? Dollars, yeah. Am I gonna call Mister Hoop Plow? I don't know. Maybe. Please tell me you get the reference. Oh no, Mitch's age is showing right now. No, I I, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I don't get it either. Oh no, uh, Danny's age is showing. Two of you. So it's not two necessarily even my age. It's I have such a knowledge gap with a lot of pop culture stuff. Like I've right. spent I spent my twenties at sporting events and watching sports. So there's a ton of movies, TV yeah. shows, stuff like that that I just have not seen. Let me let me put my dad cap on now. I've got that same hat. <laughs> this is uh, <clears throat> just Google Mr. Plow. Mr. Plow. It's a Simpsons episode. It's oh, one of the greatest. Okay. Simpsons I, I didn't episodes. watch much Simpsons. It's one, it's, up. A, it's one of the greatest Simpsons episodes ever. I'm sure it is. I've been trying to watch some Simpsons, but I've not ventured as you far can back as much, to season four. You you can go up until about season eighteen, and then that's when they should have canceled. That's what I've heard. I've heard there's like a very distinct episode that everyone points to, and I don't remember what episode it was. But everyone points to this one episode as the point That's where like the jumping the shark moment that show changed right there for the worse, and it changed forever. So as you uh, embark upon this um, road trip uh, this evening, I, yes. I definitely recommend taking in uh, Simpsons, Mister Plow, just so you understand what you're getting yourself into as far as the okay. uh, the weather. Playing a road game on the east side in the for middle sure. of a snowstorm. So, do you have four wheel drive, front wheel drive? Uh, yeah, four wheel drive. Okay, yeah. all right. Have you thought about? What happens if the date goes well? And I'm not talking about tonight specifically. I'm just yeah. talking about moving on, moving forward. Are you of planning course. the wedding? Uh, not as of now. We're okay. in the developmental stages. We'll get into the developmental stages next month. No. Um, but yeah, if, if the date goes well, then we, we either address the possibility of a second date at the end right there, or you know, you you message them the next day and be like, hey, you know, I'd like like to go see. Actually, next you night. should probably message when you get home. And when you hey, get home, no, no, okay. just hey, had a great time. It was lovely ah, meeting you. Hopefully, okay. we get to you know do it again. Just a, just a quick, make sure that she gets home okay. Well, like, gotcha. I think especially, especially you'll know tonight. Storm. You'll know tonight if she's into it. If she right. tells you when you leave, hey, just let me know you got home safe because of the got way it. the weather 100%. is. Went. Yes, I've done that. Yep, you'll okay. know exactly her intentions, and you'll know if you're going to get a reply to your text, maybe. Mm. And yeah. what if it doesn't go well? Have you thought about that? Because, and I'm not rooting for this, Mitch, no, no, no. But there's a world where that happens. Yeah, go, yeah, but you said that with a smile. If it doesn't go well, you're supposed to smile when you're on the radio. You sound more oh, energetic. If it doesn't go well, we're gonna have a great story for you guys to tune in on Monday on this show. But uh, no, if it doesn't go well, then hey, I, I, this has happened to me many, 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 many times before, and uh, I'm used to it at this point. A lot of many. Uh, all right. Um, I didn't think you had to say that many, many. Should we talk about so the end? Many. Should we talk about the end of times now? Yeah, yeah. From, that, that's where I wanted to get to. From from, from the 
from the beginning to the end. Okay, so I got a buddy of mine. His girlfriend broke up with him via text message. They have been dating for about six months. Okay. And she broke up with him via text message. Apparently, this is a thing now. That's it? Now? Just cut it off? Yeah, just, you know, it's not going to work out. Just not. So uh, he got a Dear John. Basically, yeah. Through the text. Yeah. Is, is been, do- this- he been doing a lot of thinking text. Oh, yeah. See, like, I was on the phone with, with, with my buddy for like 45 minutes to try and explain to him everything would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot of questions, and I know that we don't have time for all of them. We, we probably don't. Is this better or worse than being ghosted? I, th- I would say. What do we think? Ooh. From my perspective, I would, I would say it's better than being ghosted because at least you have. Closure? Well, you at least have been told what's up, right? Yep. You can what, move on and all that. Right. Yeah. Whereas ghosted, they just don't even respond, which I, again, is a thing these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that I would, you know, tell Mitch, it's good that he's actually, you know, gets to go on a date with this young lady. Mm-hmm. Um, going forward, you know, in-person communication is a lot better than text messaging. Oh, of course. Even so, if it snows. Phone calls. You know, that type of, you know, going, actually going out on dates and doing things. Um, yeah, I don't get the text message dating thing these days. So what's the cutoff, too, for how long you've been dating that it has to be an in-person breakup? Because, like, if it doesn't go well for six Mitch months, tonight. I would say six months deserves in-person. I would uh, agree, but where's that line at? Because if yeah. it doesn't go well for Mitch tonight, he doesn't have to go see this girl again to tell her he doesn't right. want to see her right. again. He can just text her I, that. I've exactly. Gotten, I've gotten a few of those messages, Daryl, like, after the second or the third or the fourth date. Right. I think if you if you make yourself official, then you have to put yourself in the position to break up with them in person. Now, if it's, if it's a sketchy, bad relationship at the end, then maybe that's all you can do via text or ghosting, but that's that's my take on it. I think that's fair. I, I think did, that's yeah. a fair take. Who's it fair to root for in the playoffs? Well, not Baltimore, that's for sure. We're going to discuss who you should be rooting for next right here on 92.3 The Fan. If you missed last segment right here on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima, we tried to talk about what could go well or could go wrong with Mitch's first date tonight. Be sure and go back to listen to that and fix my life on using the rewind function on the Odyssey app. And I got a message on social media from one of my friends. And of course, our social media reactions are brought to you by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store, who sent me a message and said, if my wife wanted to divorce me and told me via text, it wouldn't bother me. (laughs) I think that's pretty extreme for that. I think that's a really extreme way. Wow. Oh, that's, a, that's a happy home your friend is in. <laughs> now, the six-month thing, as Daryl's friend is dealing with, I think is over the line, but it's not too far over the line. Marriage is like, <laughs> I, I think that one is an in-person conversation. Yeah, and anything I like, you have to settle in a court of law, you should probably. Well, I, I just think first, first bringing it up. Yeah. First bringing it up. Actually, what if that particular conversation is just the, you just get served? Like, there is, there is no conversation. <laughs> is that worse than a text? Well, you, just, you just get served with the That's at least in person. Yeah, it is in person, just not by <laughs> the person. Not by the person. 
hey, honey, I um, I had a visitor at work today, and I got the these papers. And that's um, when you get ghosted. <laughs> and then you get... <laughs> the, the house is empty. She's already moved out and taken... Actually, no. She changed the locks on the doors, and you're the one that has the fireplace. Oh, what a nightmare that would be. <laughs> so good luck tonight, Mitch. We but, wish you well. Godspeed. Yeah, hope it doesn't end up like that. So this weekend is what I, I believe to be one of the best sports weekends around because you've got typically the eight best teams in football left. Normally, it, it can be like the six best and then two Cinderella stories yeah. is how it tends to shake out. You've got two games every day. Everyone has to be in. I get it. It's The wound is still a little bit raw because Houston's the team that just beat the Browns. But everyone in this town has to be rooting for Houston, right? Like, there's no way anyone here wants to see them lose to Baltimore in the divisional round, Daryl. I can't imagine that. Um, actually, I can. I, I can imagine people in this town. That are Browns fans? That would be, yeah, I don't want to see Houston advance. I don't get that. I think. Well, I, 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 I don't either. I don't agree with it either. But I could, I could see some, some people saying, yeah, I'll, I'll be. Looking for the Ravens to win this weekend. I think Houston's really likable. I, I kind of feel like the, the Ravens are like right there with Michigan. Under no circumstances do you root for them ever. I can't find a circumstance would I ever root for the Ravens. I can't. Me neither. Them and... I, I, I If I were a Browns fan, I would root for the Steelers before I root for the Ravens. It depends on the circumstances. Like, if the Ravens winning would keep Pittsburgh out of the playoffs, I'd probably root for Baltimore there. Like, every Steelers-Ravens game, you're rooting for the Steelers. For the most part. Unless, no, there is no for the most no, part. No, if it affects the Browns in a positive way, I would root the other way. Oh, okay. I would. I absolutely would. If if it meant the Browns win the AFC North, if Pittsburgh loses to Baltimore Week 18, you can't tell me that Browns fans should be rooting for Pittsburgh to win so the Browns don't win the AFC North, but it means Baltimore loses a game. I can't can't listen to that argument. That really rains on my under no circumstances. Should you there are circumstances. I'm sorry. There are. Parade. There are circumstances. Just like they're, I all right. I'll allow it. I'll allow that one circumstance. But that's all you get. That's fine. That's all I need that's is that circumstance. I'm sure I could come up with another one if I needed to, but I don't need to. I proved my point. So in the other game, do you have? Are you tired of the Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City thing? No, I love. I love dynasties. I love greatness. Interesting. I, um, Even though I wouldn't consider this team to be greatness. I would consider Mahomes to be, oh, but I just, this Kansas City team, I don't think is all that good. No. Um, I grew up during the Jordan era, mm-hmm. and I hated Michael Jordan growing up. Sure. For obvious reasons. Right. Most um, Clevelanders did. But it was incredible to watch him win six NBA titles. Win three take time away for whatever reasons he took the time away and then to come back and win three more and, and be at the level. Right. Um, so I, I don't mind even like the Patriots. Uh, I don't mind dynasties. They don't bother me. The only dynasty that I, well, there's two dynasties I despise. Uh, one's the Yankees. The other is golden state, golden state, because the Cavaliers are were at the directly other end involved. of it. And the Yankees, well, I, do I really need to explain that one? I think you could actually make the case for the Bulls with the Cavs, though, too. Yeah. You um, could make that same, not for all six titles of it, but for part of it. But I am I am not tired of 
watching Patrick Mahomes right because he's he is now in my view he's the new Tom Brady. I realize they're different players, right? Stylistically, but he's the new Tom Brady. He is. He's he's the new top dog in the NFL as far as the superstar quarterback. I'm not here to call him the greatest quarterback ever because I think that is more of an accomplishment based title and that's Tom Brady, but I've never seen a quarterback that's better than Patrick Mahomes. If that makes sense. Like, I think he's the most talented guy I've ever seen play that position. So I'm like, that's where my rooting interest is because I, I think that that is, it's watching greatness. And also if Baltimore wins this weekend, I think I would take Patrick Mahomes to beat anybody. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm actually rooting for good weather in Buffalo. Yeah. So that we can see Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes duke it out. Like, that. that's what I'm rooting for. Just just like I'm excited to watch C.J. Stroud against Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I love elite quarterback matchups. They're just, they're so fun to watch. You've got the AFC and the then the NFC is just an entirely different story. And then the NFC is a dumpster fire. Um but you got to give Baker Mayfield his 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 props and his love. Um, but should Browns I fans am, be rooting for him? Sure, but I'm not. I'm I'm going to be rooting for Detroit. They've waited so long up yeah, there. Yeah, I, I, I think I kind of a kindred spirits thing. I always root for droughts to end. Um, and so you root for droughts to end and for dynasties to continue. Correct. <laughs> I I am um I'm a. Disturbed. What do you think about teams that make it every once in every two or three years? Um, Just competency. Yeah, competency. Do you root for competence? What about teams that are consistently. As, as, as someone you know, who's covered the Browns for twenty five years, yes, I I not only root for competency, I beg for so competency. So you just root for everything, Daryl. Yeah. Um, no, I don't root for everything. No, a lot of people tell you I'm a hater of. A I lot don't of know things. how, like Baltimore, under every circumstance. Right. I. I don't know how, as a Browns fan, you can – the Detroit-Tampa game has to be a – that That's a conflict. It's a very much a conflict because the problem with Detroit – Detroit should be an easy win except for you're one of the four teams with sure. Detroit that are setting in that same no Super Bowls boat. My boat. ideal Super Bowl – And so Bowl. them being able to move past you would really – My ideal Super Bowl this year would be Detroit – and Buffalo. I because Buffalo hadn't won one. Yeah. They haven't been there since the Jim Kelly years. Detroit has never been there. I would love a Super Bowl like that. See, um but I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I I think I think it's going to be Baltimore in the AFC. Um but at the same time, I'm not going to be upset if Patrick Mahomes is back in the Super Bowl again. No, I don't think anyone would be upset. And, Owen, to your point, I get the they're in the very small club of teams that have not been to a Super Bowl. As long as you're not the last team in that club, I think it's okay to root for the other ones. Like, I have no issue rooting for Detroit to leave that club this year. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be an awesome story. You live in one other club with Detroit as well. You do. And you'll always live in that club. And you're rooting for more teams to join that club. And that is the winless club. I would like another team to go 0-7. I would like a team to go 0-17. Start their own club. That can be worse than our club. Yeah, Because that's what that would be. But if it's only 
Cleveland and Detroit left, like say Jacksonville somehow would go on to make a Super Bowl and Houston would go on to make one too before Cleveland or Detroit, that's when you stop rooting for them. But right now, as long as you're not the last one, I think it's okay. Yeah. If you have company in the club, it's okay to root for one other member to to up and You have to admit, that scene at Ford Field the other night was was beyond incredible. It was Beyond incredible. And the added layer of the Goff-Stafford switch-up. Yes, that made it so much better. But imagine what that scene's going to be like if they win this week. That was just a wild card victory. I know. Imagine if they win this weekend. And I like, somehow, by the way, I like the Lions a lot this weekend. I do too. If somehow Green Bay won in the other game as well, and they got to host the Packers in an NFC championship game, what would Detroit look like then? Yeah. What would that? That'd be an incredible sports scene. It just it feels like that it's the Ravens and 49ers and then everyone else. Yeah. Well, it kind of feels like it's the Ravens and everyone else when you consider what they did to yeah. the 49ers in Santa Clara <laughs> last month. This is true. Um, but as much as I don't want it to be the Ravens, it feels like it is. Let me ask you, which game has the greatest chance of an upset? Like if you if you if we go chalk, right, we say Baltimore is going to beat Houston, 49ers going to beat the Packers, Lions over the Bucks, and Chiefs over Bills. Of those of those teams, uh, Chiefs, Buccaneers, Packers, or Texans, which one of those four teams do you think has got the shot at the upset? So I want to rule out the Buffalo-KC game because that point spread's like two, and those teams have played in so many battles, and it's the first time it's in Buffalo. But, like, if KC won that game, I wouldn't consider that to be an upset. If Buffalo won that game, like they're the favorites, they're supposed to do that. But I wouldn't consider that to be an upset. I think we have to wipe that one off the board in this conversation. I was going to say, because I, I I think the Chiefs are going into Buffalo and winning. I do too. But I just, I don't want to, that has to be wiped away because that would not have nearly the same significance to me as if Houston beat Baltimore or Green Bay beat San Francisco or if Tampa beat Detroit. Part of me wants to say Green Bay because of how good they looked last week yeah. and because the Niners haven't played since week 17. Yep. Because not only did they have the bye, but they, for all intents and purposes, took week 18 off as well. You could say the same thing about Baltimore, but I just think Baltimore is a little bit better than yeah, San Bal- Francisco is. Ba- Baltimore's a different beast this year. That's what it feels as, like. As painful as it is to say. I want it to be Houston. Like I want the answer to this question to be Houston. I don't think it's going to be. But Houston. I feel like it's Green Bay. I think C.J. Stroud is going to find out. What a, what the <laughs> real number one defense looks like, Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do as well. So we've spent a lot of time this morning, and if you've missed it, you can go back on the Odyssey app, use the rewind function, talking about what the Browns offensive coordinator, who it could be, what that job could look like. What do we want that process to look like? And does it all make sense? That's next right here on The Fan. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham. Filling in for Ken and Anthony right here on 92.3 The Fan. You have, like, proof of concept there, and you have really good players. And assuming Amari Cooper's back and extended, and you have, you know, Nick Chubb coming back off the injury, we'll see where he is. he's at from a health perspective when we get to the fall. The tackle's coming back. The quarterback coming back. I just, I think the upside in Cleveland is that you can compete to be a Super Bowl team next year if Deshaun Watson gets back on track. And if you have that on your resume, that you're the guy who turned things around for Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, well, there's going to be interest in other places, too. 
That is Albert Breer on Afternoon Drive yesterday right here on 92.3 The Fan. If you missed that interview in its entirety, you can go back on the Odyssey app and use the rewind function to catch it. I'm Danny Cunningham. He's Daryl Ryder. We're filling in for Ken and Anthony this morning right here on 92.3 The Fan. The Browns, Daryl, as we know, has been much discussed since Wednesday, have had an offensive coordinator opening. And that means that they're in the market for somebody that maybe is going to come in and call plays. They maybe are going to come in and assume a very similar role to what Alex Van Pelt had, the offensive coordinator who has been let go of his from his job. What does this process to you as someone who is in Berea daily, covers the team on an everyday basis, to you, what does this process, what should it look like? Well, look, they're they're going to inter- interview, uh, I think, a, a wide spectrum. It, you know, start started with uh, Andy Dickerson, who, for the most part, has been an assistant position coach, more more so an actual position coach uh, throughout his coaching career. In fact, Dickerson was here all the way back when Eric Mangini was coaching this team. Uh, he was the defensive quality control coach, and then uh, moved to the the offensive side of the football uh, the following year. Most of his time has been spent on the offensive line. And I got to be honest with you. Maybe, yes, he interviewed for the offensive coordinator position, but maybe that's not the job if they want to bring him on the staff that it gets offered. So you think that this was essentially an excuse to talk to somebody that they might not be totally interested in for that position in specific, but could see him on the staff under the right circumstances? No, no, no. I'm not saying that that – specific circumstance okay. is I'm just saying that that could be a a possibility gotcha. right I mean NFL teams do this all the time where they're looking for a head coach they interview uh, a wide range of candidates uh some of them interview certain candidates so they can comply with the Rooney rule which I think is just beyond disgraceful sure and I don't really appreciate the way the NFL insiders uh mention it on social media where they just say they interview so-and-so, and now the team has complied with the Rooney rule, as if, like, it's a box to be checked. Right. I, I just I feel like that's just beyond disrespectful because, first of all, the person that's being interviewed is qualified for the job. And, and to me, when you say that, you're trying to say that they're really not qualified for the job or they have no chance to get the job, and it's just a, a box to be checked. But uh, setting that part aside, um, teams will interview candidates for – the next step up job. And then once they fill that role, they say, Hey, we did talk to so-and-so and so-and-so maybe let's, let's get them back on the phone or let's circle back and and see if they'll come in for the spot below it. That happens all over the NFL. So I'm not saying that that's what's happening here with Dickerson, but it, that situation, the fact that he hasn't been a position coach very long, he's spent the bulk of his NFL career as an assistant position coach. To me, that's a pretty big leap to be so, to be an offensive coordinator. So basically, if they hire somebody else as the like, offensive coordinator, don't be surprised if he's someone that could be on that person's right. offensive like, staff. Like, there's no chance in my mind Dickerson's coming here and calling plays. Oh no, I see. I do think in. I'm like curious none. where the line is. Yeah. In terms of candidates, that this candidate would only be in Cleveland as the offensive coordinator if the play calling duties are with it. Right. Because they're. I think you're. Kind of searching in two different buckets, if that's the case. Like Bill O'Brien, who was just hired at Ohio State yesterday, he's not going to Ohio State, I don't think, unless he's getting to call plays. That is the the thing we learned yesterday is whether or not it was announced, Ryan Day is not going to be the play caller there because right. they've got Bill O'Brien now. 
and it, Ryan Day can go back to managing the game because let's be honest about one of the, one of the things Ryan Day hadn't been good at managing the game. Yeah, and if Bill O'Brien would have been coming to Cleveland, I have to assume he would have been given play calling duties. I think that the person that they hire before even Kevin Stefanski can be asked the question, I think the person they hire is going to tell us who's going to be calling the plays. If it's, I agree. Yes. If it's a if it's a position coach that's getting a promotion to offensive coordinator, odds are Kevin Stefanski is going to call the plays. But if it's an established offensive coordinator or former head coach or something, then that's a okay. Maybe Kevin Stefanski is going to give up calling plays and just manage the game, manage the team, and things like that. Which, by the way, he's more than entitled to do. I personally, I like Kevin Stefanski calling the plays. I think I don't, he does a good job. I don't have any problem with it, unlike some people in town do. I don't I don't see it as a negative. That he call, I think he's done a good job, and his record speaks for itself. And considering uh, what he's had to deal with since taking this job is the head coach slash offensive play caller, um, I think it's pretty incredible what he's done in four years. Uh, have they gotten to where they want to go? No, but... The thing that I give Stefanski a lot of credit and respect for is he's not stuck in his ways, coach. Yeah. He he is willing to take a step back, evaluate a situation, see the pros and the cons and the positives and the negatives, what's gone right, what's gone wrong, okay, what's the best path forward to handle whatever situation has arisen. And frankly, the previous two years, I didn't think he handled some things all that well. This year, I I really felt like he grew and he uh, used um, some of those previous situations to help him get through what he dealt with this year, especially at the quarterback position. The, the team did not suffer despite losing not one, not two, not th- – oh, I, I'm sorry, wrong, wrong thing uh, – well, that's a fry. I, you know, yeah, I remember we were hearing just, that yeah, like we, in 2010 yeah. or something. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is not taking his talents to South Beach, thankfully. Um, but I, I, I just I, I give him credit that he has been willing to adjust his train of thought. And look, this coordinator change that he's making is twofold. One, it's bringing in a fresh – get someone to bring a fresh perspective in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then number two, bringing uh, somebody in that's going to help you maximize your $230 million six draft pick investment in Deshaun Watson. Well, that's the other part of this that I don't know that we've talked about all that much because wasn't part of Alex Van Pelt's title quarterback coach? Yeah. You well, are not, for three of the four years. You're not only hiring somebody to call the plays. like That person's yeah. going to be working very closely with Deshaun Watson, and that matters so much towards the success of this team. It and, does. And, and I think Van Pelt did a really good job when he was here, uh, especially working with the quarterbacks. I mean, work with nine of them. Well, in what quarterback? Five in one year, by the way. is It's incredible. But what quarterback was in Cleveland, other than Deshaun Watson, has been in Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and not seen the most success of their career to that point? And yeah. that's not to say, oh, because Baker was better in Tampa this year than he was. But to that point in Baker's career, the best season he had was that first year with those guys. Right. And then, unfortunately, he got hurt. And and that... you can say the same thing about Jacoby Brissett. Right. You can say the same thing 
You can say the same thing about just about everybody that DJ Walker won game. a game for them. Dorian, Dorian Thompson, Thompson Robinson, Robinson had a who, game-winning way, drive against a divisional rival. Yeah, I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson went from completely clueless against the Baltimore Ravens to, as you said, leading a game-winning drive. Yeah. Um, so you've seen growth. Against a playoff team. Right. Like, that wasn't like he had to do that against the Arizona Cardinals. Right. Did that against a team that made the playoffs. So you've seen growth, and and to me, that that's good quality coaching. Yeah. And so... Um, yeah, there's something to be said for okay. We've you know, after four years together, there's not much that we're going to learn together going forward, right? And we're not where we need to be as an organization and as a football team. I need to bring in a fresh voice to to make sure that I'm on the you know, I'm putting myself in Kevin Stefanski's shoes here, uh, as far as the thought process goes. I need now I need a fresh voice to make me better as a coach or even a play caller. Yeah. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? So this, this whole situation this week is not a byproduct of dysfunction. It's not a byproduct of same old Browns. It's, you know, we joke about it because now it's funny. Like, here's the thing, too. We can joke about how bad the Browns have been over Be the years because it's good now. They're not bad anymore. No. We've got real expectations of in this town of this team being – not just in the playoffs, but winning playoff games. Yeah, we it, we should expect this team to be playing on this weekend next year, right? Compared, without a doubt. Compared to this coaching staff and this organization and this roster, right? Mm -hmm. What proceeded? It was a joke. Yes, it was and a joke. Has, and it had been for twenty years, and it deserves to be made fun of. And I'm going to continue to make fun of it. But what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to make fun of Kevin Stefanski. I'm not going to make fun of. Uh, the current front office and the current roster because they're good at their jobs. Now it's about getting the most and achieving their potential, which I honestly felt after watching Joe Flacco for a few weeks, I'm like, well, this is a team that could make a run to the Super Bowl. They could be the they could be the surprise team out of the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, that's not how it played out. They went to Houston, got their got run out right out of the building. That's unfortunate. But, and Joe Flacco, I, I, I doubt he comes back because he wants to play somewhere, and I respect that. Yep. And quite frankly, after what he did for the Browns, he deserves to. And you know what? You as Browns fans can proudly wear your Joe Flacco jerseys from now until the day you die. Imagine saying that six months ago. Right. But, um, you know, right. How, how much just, of the offense, Daryl, do you think needs to look different when we return to football next September. The, the run game needs adjusting. Yeah, which I do think that's part of the reason why Stump Mitchell was let go. But here's the other thing, though. They lost three tackles. That's part of it. You're right. right. They lost three tackles. They lost their all-pro back. Now, maybe Jerome Ford hasn't developed on the trajectory. that. They, but, I mean, Jerome scored nine touchdowns this year. Yeah. They signed Kareem Hunt off the street in September. He had nine rushing touchdowns, which is a career high for him. Okay. Why the so team in touchdowns? Two, so your two running backs scored 18 times. Mm -hmm. I don't, I have to, I, I don't know, just off the top of my head, I don't think the rest of the roster combined scored 18 touchdowns. I'd have to go look, and I'm not going to I'm do that I'm, right I'm, now. I'm but saying that tongue in cheek, but you, yeah. just to emphasize how effective, though, the running back position was as far as putting points on the scoreboard. Sure. And to me, that's more important than the yardage. But it still needs a redesign. I, I get, yeah. Um, so they got to tweak that. 
The tight ends thing I, is curious to me just because of with T.C. McCart because David Njoku, I, the, his development awesome. has been outstanding. The, what he did and what he did specifically once Joe Flacco arrived right. was really, really so, impressive. So I, I don't know if it's, you know, maybe they didn't like what they got from the other tight ends. You know, Harrison Bryant's development that hasn't maybe come along as for whatever. But, you know, all this is part and parcel to wanting to get the most out of one singular player. Number four. And it's the guy that they have given a record contract to as far as guarantees. It's the contract they are stuck with. They can't get out of it. There's no maneuverability, uh, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. So best-case scenario in 2024, Deshaun Watson returns to the guy we saw with the Houston Texans, right? And that we saw for that half in Baltimore before we knew just really how beat up and injured he was, right? Or we saw in the game against Tennessee um, where he got banged up the first time and – you know, got the last couple of series off because that game was over at 27, nothing, 27, three, whatever it was, uh, the final score was. But um, this is about getting the most out of him and making him the best player so that now you can get to where the Ravens are. Because to me, the next step for this team isn't the Super Bowl, believe it or not. It's AFC Championship game for me. No, the next step for this team is to win the division. That'd be nice. Win the division, get a home game, and then all of a sudden, guess what? You're in a lot better position to advance in, in January because guess what we found out this year? Clinton Brown's defense does not travel. No, and it that's did not. unfortunate. That that was clear and evident. Brown's defense did not travel in the playoffs, unfortunately. I want to pivot. I want to get to the Cavs. We've got Chris Fudor of Cleveland.com joining us at nine o'clock. Cavs have been hot lately. They've won six straight. They're in action tomorrow in Atlanta. Is this something that's sustainable? I want to dive into that next right here on 92.3 The Fan. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham, filling in on the Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. Danny Cunningham and Daryl Ryder in for Ken and Anthony right here on 92.3 The Fan. Bill O'Brien is in Columbus, and the transfer portal is still open as some of the best players in the country are going to Columbus. Nick Wilson and Spencer German break down big college football headlines on the new Sons of the Shoe episode. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 923thefan.com, the Odyssey app, and wherever you get your podcast. We've got Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com, the plane dealer, joining us in just about 15 minutes. He'll be on at 9 o'clock to talk some Cavs. And Daryl, Cavs have won six straight. They have been, oddly enough, since Darius Garland exited with that fractured jaw, Evan Mobley had to have knee surgery in the middle of December. They've been one of, if not the best team in basketball since that point. And figuring out what is sustainable from this run. And listen, part of that is a weaker schedule. Like, let's be honest. They've gotten to play Washington twice. I believe Detroit was somewhere mixed in there. San Antonio. So it's not as if they've just beat up on Boston and Milwaukee and Denver throughout this. But you play who's on the schedule. Figuring out what is sustainable from this run, I think, is something that's really, really important for J.B. Bickerstaff, the rest of that coaching staff, and everyone at Cleveland Clinic Courts as we near the return of Garland and Mobley. They're they're getting fat where they should be getting fat, which is good. Yeah, like um, I had people – I was I tweeted about this yesterday. You can find me on Twitter at Real D Cunningham, who are essentially I, – I tweeted that you know they've won now 11 out of 14. They've yeah. been really good. And there are people that are mad about it because they haven't beat good teams, as if it's their fault what the schedule has been. I'm sorry, are you supposed to lose these games? Would you be happier if they would have dropped one of those games to the Wizards? I don't think so. 
I, I don't I I never get that part of the conversation. Like, oh, I'm sorry, are they supposed to lose those games that they're supposed to win? You're you're now going so to criticize and penalize them because they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat or that everyone feels that they, you know, should beat. I don't know that considering that they're without Garland, without Mobley, they should be winning all the games that they've been winning. But I kind of feel like J.B. Bickerstaff has pulled a page out of Kevin Stefanski's playbook here a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, And we know the great relationship that those those two men have and the respect that they have for each other. Stefanski and Bickerstaff, they talk behind the scenes all the time. Yeah. Um, and look, I think that there's you know, something very beneficial uh, to that. Um, you get siloed into just your own particular sport. I kind of liken it to uh, young kids g- growing up in sports, the specialization. You know, don't, don't, don't specialize your kid. Allow your kid to play multiple sports and figure out which sport they really love to play. But also at the same time, by not specializing, their bodies are going to develop better. Uh, and it's going to make them a better athlete in the long run. And, and, and that's why a lot of scouts will tell you, I don't like uh, kids that I find out are specialized because they're not in the long run going to be as good of an athlete as is, is the, the kid that didn't uh, specialize. And I feel that way like with the coaching is, you know, that getting other perspectives uh, from different sports – especially from like the mental aspect because mm-hmm. there is yes, the physical, the athleticism aspect of it, but there is a mental, especially from a coaching perspective, the mental toughness that you have to have to the, the emotional maturity that I don't have, but they have to have. Well, that's why you're here and not there. Right. That's the only thing holding you back from being on. An in NBA fact, bench. I pride myself in my emotional immaturity. Exactly. Um, but you know, I, I, I feel like when I, I look at this Cavalier team that JB has kind of mirrored what Stefanski was able to do with the Browns and weathering injuries. And that's what the Cavs are doing right now. They're, they're not just weathering the injuries. They're, they're playing really good basketball. Well, and it's, it's mirrored in the fact that when we saw Joe Flacco enter the fold for the Browns, the Browns sort of changed up their playing style offensively. They started doing things differently. Because yeah, they the started throwing set. the football down the field. Exactly. The Cavs have done that same thing on the basketball floor. Yeah. What they've done is they've started to shoot more threes, and we know that the number is way up, but if you want to even dig a little bit deeper. Is it wrong that I love that they shoot so many it's threes? What the modern, it's what modern basketball is, but it's not just that they're shooting more threes. It's where they're getting them and how they're taking them. Like, they're shooting so many more threes just on catch and shoot variety as opposed to Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland pulling up up into a three where before the injuries, if you go back to all the games they played up until December 15th, which that's just the date I have bookmarked that the press release was sent out. Those two guys are going to be out for, you know, the foreseeable future. And I'm not going to lie. When I saw that press release, uh, well, I can't say what I said when but I read you thought it. season over. Yeah. Wasted I, I was, season. I was like, well, that that's going to well, really instantly. I thought, well, things. this is the year the Cavs have their own pick. Like if there's a year to be bad, it's been this one. And they've right. won 11 of 14 since. And, and in a year where this is supp- uh, supposed to be externally amongst yeah. us in the conversations we have uh, in, in the media, like this was supposedly the referendum year for JB Bickerstaff, right? Can he take this organization to the level that 
they want and need to get to with the talent that they have. He's done a great job building the program, coaching up the young kids, building a team, so to speak. But now can you win playoff games? Can you win playoff series? Can you get to a point where you're competing for a conference title or, you know, hey, if everything really goes your way, you, you know, accidentally find yourself in the NBA finals, yeah. right? Playing yeah. for the whole ball of wax. So, um, that, you know, those are the the questions and the thoughts going in. But I, I think JB's done a, a fantastic job of working around. I mean, Jared Allen right now is a double-double. He should be an all-star. He yeah. absolutely should be an all-star. I think he will be as a reserve. He's not going to be a starter. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's going to be a starter. He will be an all-star right. again as well. The thing to watch for. Mitchell, by the way, definitely playing like a max player. He's been awesome. Is, is well. he is, I, I think part of that, I don't know how healthy he was at the start of the year, but he's been awesome. By the way, please continue to tell me, National Media, how much Donovan Mitchell hates playing for the Cavaliers as I roll my eyes. It's uh, dry, It drives me nuts. As someone who spent a lot of time in that locker room covering that team, it's just, yeah. those reports are not always based in reality. The thing it's to just, watch you for. You know what it is? You know what it is? It remind It's... Because this happens in the NFL, too, right, where the insiders, they'll trade information to get information and stuff like that. Sure. I kind of feel like that's what it is in the NBA sometimes where they're just they're trying to will something into existence. And I'm not saying he's going to be in Cleveland forever, but I think he likes Cleveland more than people want to admit that he does. That's just that's what I will say about and that, that. And that's the point I was making. Exactly. The weather outside, not great. You're still driving to work. Take your time. We'll be here. Spend a little bit more time with us. Be safe. If you can work from home, even better. I just turned around and looked outside. It's I, still crappy out. I it still looks bad. I, I, I don't see pavement anywhere, so please be no, careful. No, I see a lot of snow outside. That's what it's going to be all day. We've got Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com, covers the Cavs, one of the best beat reporters in basketball. Joining us next, have a ton to dive into with this team. We also, we've got stuff on Joe Flacco. We're going to talk about what Joe Flacco has to say coming up at 920, but Chris Fedor joins us next. He's Dale Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham right here on 92.3 The Fan. Danny Cunningham and Daryl Ryder with you, filling in for Ken and Anthony right here on 92.3 The Fan. And now we go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, bringing our friend Chris Fedor, covers the Cavs for Cleveland.com, does a great job. Chris, thanks for taking some time with us. You got to guess what's going on. So the Cavs have been on a hot streak, I think it's fair to say. They've won 11 of their last 14. They just absolutely roasted the Milwaukee Bucks the other night. Everyone wants to know, how sustainable is this? I think it remains to be seen, honestly. I mean, I think the Cavs are wondering the same thing. I think some players are wondering the same thing. And I think some aspects of the way that they have played over the last 14 games, guys, I think it's sustainable, right? They consider themselves a defense-first team. Their defense has risen up the rankings. They are borderline top five in the entire NBA over the course of the season now. Those things can remain. Um, those principles on the defensive end of the floor can remain. I think the big question comes on the offensive end. Over the last 14 games, they're passing the ball more than any team in the NBA. They're shooting a whole bunch of three-pointers. 
Um, they're running offense at times through Jared Allen, using him more as a focal point. So the question becomes, when Darius Garland comes back and he's going to get touches and he's going to get shot attempts and he's going to get a high usage, what does that mean for Jared Allen's involvement on the offensive end? And then when Evan Mobley eventually comes back as well, because the Cavs have been using a personnel grouping that caters itself to more three-point shooting, especially with four-shooter lineups, what is that going to mean for the spacing on the floor? What is that going to mean for the shooting on the floor? Because both Jarrett and Evan, obviously, are non-shooting bigs. And stylistically, you have to run offense a different kind of way when both those guys are out there on the floor because Evan Mobley doesn't have the same perimeter skill set as Dean Wade. He doesn't have the same perimeter skill set as George Niang, two other guys that that occupy the power forward spot um, that have been getting minutes in the absence of Evan. So honestly, I mean, they believe that they can take pieces of what they have done over these 14 games and blend it together with the style that they would have to play when they're playing the two bigs. Um, but it remains to be seen because it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to, to do it and stay committed to it. So you mentioned Darius Garland. You mentioned Evan Mobley. They've both been out for quite a while. At middle of December, I think, is kind of the, the when people bookmark this run starting for the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Those guys are both going to back, be back sooner than later. Who's going to be more difficult to reintegrate into this? I think it's Evan, honestly. I mean, I just think so much of what the Cavs have done during this stretch, guys, has been about three-point shooting, floor spacing, and involving Jared Allen as an offensive focal point. And those things just weren't happening to the same level when Evan Mobley and Jared Allen were out there sharing the court together. In the first month, month and a half of the season, guys, there was a clear hierarchy of offense. And in terms of touches per game, it was... Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Max Struess, um, Karis LeVert, and then Jared Allen was getting the sixth most touches of anybody on this team. He was getting as many touches during that stretch as George Niang, who is, you know, not that involved in the Cavs' offense. So that tells you just that Jared Allen, early on in the season, was basically an offensive afterthought. Since Evan Mobley and Darius Garland have gone out, Jared Allen is third in the offensive pecking order. He's third in total touches per game on this roster behind just Donovan Mitchell and Max Struess. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see the dynamic and if there's going to be somewhat of a shift. Um, And I'm wondering if there's going to be a role reversal in terms of Jared Allen being more of an offensive hub like he has been recently. When Evan Mobley is back, Evan's the one who has to take a step back on the offensive end of the floor because um, the way that Jared is playing and the way that the offense is functioning with his passing, with his playmaking, um, with his scoring ability, um, it's not something that the Cavs can afford to get away from. And the other variable in this whole thing is – How does the court feel? How does the court look? Are there still as many driving lanes? Is it still as open? Is there still as much movement? Because Evan Mobley is not a movement-based four. He's somebody who does most of his damage from the dunker spot. He does most of his damage inside the perimeter. Um, And I think it's going to be harder for him to maybe accept 
a lesser role than the one that he had at um, the beginning of the season. I just don't think that particular role offensively is going to be waiting for Evan when he gets back. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com, and the Plain Dealer joining us. Uh, Chris, uh, could this potentially give J.B. Bickerstaff some some personnel advantages or matchup advantages uh, with the way that they're playing without Mobley and Garland, and then once those two come back and be reintegrated, give them another way, and possibly depending who – because this is all about this season to me, getting in the playoffs, matching up mm-hmm. with teams – advancing could this actually be a little bit of a blessing because jb bickerstaff is seeing one style of play with this current group and then you bring these other guys back and i don't know depending who you play maybe that uh you know works for you or am i just reading way too much into that no i think there's a lot of truth to that and i don't think it's just jb that has seen a different style work and be effective and something that you can believe in moving forward. I think the players have seen a different style that can work, be effective, and they can believe in moving forward. Darius Garland has been on the sidelines seeing that this style offense going away from a pick-and-roll heavy attack can work, and it can lead to really, really good things for this team. Um, I think Evan Mobley has seen Jared Allen being involved in the offensive end as much as he has been that can be a pathway to success for this offense. So I think it's important for the players to understand that there are multiple pathways that they have to success on the offensive end. And that's what it's about, guys. Like, it's not just about playing, oh, this is our style. We're going to continue to do it. We're going to be the best at it. No, to me, like, when you get into a seven-game series, so much is about matchups, so much is about opponents, so much is about adjusting game-to-game and in-game. You have to be diverse on the offensive end of the floor. You have to be able to play big. You have to be able to play fast. You have to be able to play slow. You have to be able to have success shooting from the outside and inside. So the more styles that you can play throughout the course of the regular season and you can lean into and learn about and see the success of, that is absolutely going to help you in a seven-game series because not every matchup is going to demand you playing a certain kind of way or the same kind of way. It's going to demand you playing a certain kind of way that one matches your personnel and two exploits the weaknesses of the other team. I I know this will um, trouble some of the national media that are trying to will Donovan Mitchell out of Cleveland. (laughs) Um, And I admit I haven't been in the locker room this year, was in the locker room last year. The guy looks pretty happy here. Um, Am I misreading something here? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to spend the rest of his life with the Cavaliers, but he doesn't look like a guy that's got a foot out the door to me. I've talked to Donovan about this so many different times over the last month, month and a half, and he says the same thing every time this conversation comes up, that I'm happy where I'm at. I believe in the group that we have. And I believe that we can do special things with this group, especially when Darius and Evan come back and we get closer to full strength. So I think from a basketball standpoint, and that's something that matters deeply to Donovan, I think he feels good about the Cavs' chances. I think he feels good about the way that they've played. I think he feels good about the fact that they've rallied around these injuries and they have found a way to continue to climb up the standings. They're the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, despite the fact that They've only had their starting five, their projected starting five, for 11 total games, despite the fact that some of their most important players have already missed key stretches. For them 
to be four seed in the Eastern Conference given everything that they've dealt with so far this year, everybody inside this organization deserves a ton of credit. And yes, everybody understands that the judgment for this team is going to come in the playoffs. They've earned that. They deserve that. And based on what happened last year, they already showed that they can be a successful regular season team. They've already shown that they could take that step as an organization, going from play-in contender to playoff contender and winning 50 games. So it's not about celebrating those things for them in the regular season, but when you see some things that they've been able to overcome and you see some things that are working for them, I think it's fair to point out that they do deserve credit for figuring this thing out the way that they have. Um, And if the Cavs get to the playoffs, and if they have another flameout in the first round, then maybe that changes the conversation internally that the Cavs um, are going to have when it comes to Donovan Mitchell and his future, and maybe that changes um, Donovan's perspective about where this organization is going and whether it's the organization to finally help him get past the second round. Um, but right now, like this is a very good basketball situation for Donovan Mitchell, and he does seem very, very happy, and he does seem like he believes in the direction of this organization. Chris, can the Cavs make it a better basketball situation between now and three weeks from yesterday when the trade deadline is? How active do you expect this team to be? I do expect them to be active, but that doesn't mean that I expect them to do something significant and all of a sudden um, drastically change their roster. I, I get the sense, guys, that they're looking at this very similar to the way that they looked at the offseason. You know, so many fans were talking about, oh, what's the big move that the Cavs can make in the offseason? Where's Jared Allen going to get traded to? Do they need to move on from Karis LeVert? And they were talking about, like, some of the top-level players that they had and maybe shuffling that. And the Cavs were looking at it saying, let's improve around the margins. We understand some of the flaws that were exposed in that series against New York. We understand we need more shooting, we need more spacing, we need more toughness, we need more playoff experience, we need more capable ball handlers, and so um, we need to fortify our bench because it was the third-worst bench in the NBA last season, and they looked at it as those are the moves that are going to help us take the next step, not the drastic shakeup, not the panic button type moves. And I think they're looking at the trade deadline the same kind of way. Look, like if an opportunity presents itself and it's one that this organization can't turn down for somebody like Karis LeVert or if they get blown away for an offer for like Jared Allen that gives them the 3 and D wing that's an all-star caliber player, they'd be foolish not to consider that, right? But the sense that I get is that they're looking, how do we fortify this rotation? Like, can we make the seventh, eighth, ninth guy in this rotation a little bit better in a two-for-one type deal? Um, And the two would be, you know, some combination of Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, Ty Jerome, Damian Jones, Sam Merrill. Like, those guys at the back end of the rotation, is there a way to upgrade those particular spots um, by packaging multiple players and maybe sending out draft capital? But again, I just think it's, once again, small moves around the margins to try and um, improve this team and um, bring in different skill sets that that might be able 
um, to better help them in a seven-game series. Substance over style, what a concept. Uh, Chris, um, you know, the, the friendship between J.B. Bickerstaff and Kevin Stefanski is, is well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with what the Browns went through this year, uh, from an injury uh, standpoint, many a time, uh, you know, you thought it was a season killer uh, type of a, a situation with the injuries. Mobley and Garland getting hurt. It's hard not to th- have those same thoughts. But how much has that friendship that JB has with Kevin helped him navigate what? we saw Stefanski navigate this past season. Yeah, I think JB will tell you that he's the kind of guy that is going to reach out to as many smart people as possible to try and get um, any kind of advice, you know, going into the playoffs last year, um, because that was pretty foreign territory for JB. He only been um, the head coach of, of a playoff team once in his career. And he was with the Houston Rockets playing against the dynastic Golden State Warriors. And that ended quickly as well. So because he didn't have that same level of experience, he even said he reached out to Terry Francona and just asked him, like, hey, pressure-packed moments. Um, hey, when when things um, get very, very difficult, um, when adversity hits, How do you handle those kinds of things? So he is the kind of guy that will reach out to his contacts in the NBA, outside the NBA, and look for advice. Just because as many smart people as you can surround yourself with, as many smart people as you can talk to about certain things that you don't know, um, that's going to help you. And, And I do think that there is some common ground between JB and Kevin just in terms of dealing with adversity um, trying to rally a team around injuries um, and trying to get the most out of a roster that, that isn't complete. Um, those kinds of things Kevin Stefanski showed he was able to overcome. He had to play different styles with his quarterback. He had to implement different game plans based on the quarterback that he had at his disposal. So I do think that that is something um, that both guys can talk about and they can learn from each other on. Chris, I'll get you out of here on this one. How many All-Stars are the Cavs going to have this year? I think it's one, but Jarrett is very, very, very close. Um, I was breaking it down. And look, the way that it works is um, fans slash media members slash players are going to vote for the starters. And and we're not even talking about Jarrett Allen being an All-Star starter in the front court. Those spots are already taken. No matter what happens, it's going to be Jason Tatum going to be Giannis it's going to be Embiid everybody knows that so Jared's path is as a reserve and that means the coaches are going to be looking at those spots and I think they probably have a better understanding of the kind of value that he brings to the table the kind of impact that he has on a possession to possession basis and the way that some of the things that make him so special don't always show up in the box score and that could help him but it's like there are only three guaranteed front court reserve spots. There could be two more, depending on how those are split up. Um, but the three guaranteed makes it a little difficult, right? Because you're talking about Kristaps Porzingis. Boston is the best team in the NBA, probably going to have two all-stars. So is it Porzingis? Is it Jalen Brown? Paulo Bancaro has been great for the Orlando magic. Uh, Jimmy Butler is always somebody who is going to get respect of the coaches. Bam out of bio in Miami. 
So you just start looking at the other players that are competing for those same backup front court spots in the all-star game. And it gets really, really close for Jarrett. Like if they take five front court players, I think he's in. If they only take four front court players, because there's so many really good guards in the Eastern conference that are going to get spots too, then I don't think he's in. Chris, thank you so much for the time. Safe travels on this road trip. You got a guest anytime. There he is, Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. You can read him there. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Fedor. Of course, Chris appears as all guests do on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Well, the NFL playoffs can and will affect what happens next season here in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder, hey, that's you. Confirmed. Sources confirm it is me. Yeah, you and Andy Baskin covered all during the all. It's always game day in Cleveland podcast, sponsored locally by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling solution. Subscribe to Daryl's podcast today at 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app. That's not the only podcast we're going to talk about here because if you would have told me six months ago that Joe Flacco would become a beloved figure in Cleveland, I don't even know what my response would have been because I just would have been so confused. Like, what timeline am I on here? I can just visualize we are in the year 2030 and I am sitting in the press box and wherever the heck the Browns are playing football still at and I will see... Joe Flacco jerseys in front of me next to Bernie Kosar jerseys and Webster Slaughter jerseys. It's not just that people will be wearing Mack them. jerseys and Nick Chubb jerseys and Miles Garrett jerseys. Yes, we are living in a dystopian universe. It's that there's a very small list of post-99 guys that have played for the Browns that you can own their jersey and be proud to own it. Like, that list yes, is not that- long. That, that list it's is like very short and Joe not Thomas, so distinguished. Josh Cribbs, Phil, Phil Dawson. Dawson, maybe Joe Hayden. Yeah, Joe may, Hayden. Maybe Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden, yeah. And I'm not talking about guys that are currently on the roster. I'm talking about guys that uh, weren't. But, like, Joe Flacco has somehow joined that list. That's what but of the guys. Uh, but of the guys on the current roster, Joel Batonio, totally acceptable. Yes. Uh, there are guys. Miles Garrett Nick will be Chubb acceptable. Will be Nick Chubb. On the current one, yeah. You can get a Wyatt Teller one right now be awesome right yeah there are a lot of guys that currently play for the browns that you will be able to look back back at 10 years dustin hopkins yes and say i'm proud to own that jersey like jarvis landry's probably on that list but it's not a long list joe flacco is there and joe flacco went on the pardon my take podcast i don't know when this was recorded but said more good things about cleveland i think right owen that's what we have here yes so i need to hear what joe said because i think we're just all going to like him more after this you already said that you wanted to keep playing, that you got the confidence back. And we saw that the arm, the arm's very much still there. You can still play. Um, do you want to come back to Cleveland next year? Ooh. Man, man, Cleveland was unbelievable. I'm definitely open to be back in Cleveland. At the same point, like, I don't want to rush to any decisions either. I mean, you don't, you don't, I didn't know what the market for QBs was going to look like last spring, and I don't know what it's going to look like this spring. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to have options or if I'm going to have zero options, you know? Mm. It, I, I, I'm, I love Cleveland, though. I love the building, the people, um, everything about it. I think, you know, it's funny when you go from when you get to see a few different organizations and then you go to Cleveland and, you know, I don't think people really, you don't think you ever hear too many like, oh, man, Cleveland's an awesome organization. And 
man, they've done this well and done that well. But I can't say enough good things about how that organization is, is being run right now and, 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 and the atmosphere in the building and the way that guys feel like their future's headed. So I think it would be a very special place to be if, if I have the opportunity to go back there. I think that's the truth. I think it's incredibly refreshing to hear a player that, in all likelihood, Daryl is not going to be back in Cleveland saying those things about how great this organization is being run because for 20 years, you just, no one would have uttered those words. No one would have ever thought to say those things. Yeah. They were, they were sending bouquets of flowers and thank you cards that they're no longer Cleveland Browns that they couldn't wait to get the hell out of here. It's refreshing to hear that. That's how Bart's got (laughs) hit in the bathroom stall. That's one of the great moments in Brown's history. It's refreshing to hear Flacco well, say all these nice things. And it wasn't just him saying, hey, the organization's great. They're doing great things. He actually said the phrase, I want to be in Cleveland. Yes. And How I don't often think do you it's hear, likely, I want to be in Cleveland. Not as often as I would like to hear that I'd like to be in Cleveland. That's for sure. As a Browns fan. Other than like Rashad Higgins. Is this where, he just wants an NFL check right, is what he wants. Right. Is this where I say I told you so? Say whatever you want. You're I've host been, of the show today. I, I, I've been trying to tell people that. The, the, the clown cars have left town. Yes. Once Stefanski and Barry took over, the organization changed in, in, for the better. And um, and, that, and that's why now I can make fun of 4 and 44 and all the quarterbacks that used to come through here and all the coaches that used to come through here and the level of sheer incompetence that used to occur and the level of childhood backstabbing high school cafeteria nonsense that used to take place out there uh, in that building um that that just it doesn't exist anymore and and it it, it it's nice to see that they finally have grown-ups running the joint and that right there you know with the way this past season transpired and all the challenges and all the times that that thing, that, that car should have crashed. Oh, off the road and, and and gone up in flames. And I just, the, the, the maturity of the organization to overcome everything that they could to bring in a guy whom the rest of the NFL had discarded completely. Joe Flacco's phone was not ringing. Let's be honest about it. Um, and the fact that he was able to come in here and play at the level that he was able to play. And yes, I understand it came to a bitter end in Houston, right? He threw the two pick sixes and, you know, that was the Joe Flacco everyone was expecting. Well, that's who the Browns got every week. They just were, they came at better times, if that makes sense, yeah. during the regular season games. Those yeah. interceptions that they were both generally didn't for the come when you were already down 10 points. Right. They right. came against the Jets when you were everything was rolling and he threw a pick six, but it didn't matter because they right. were already up by 20. Right. They just came at the worst possible time. Right. And, and you know, look, the, the offense looked like it finally felt like I was watching an NFL team when yeah. Joe Flacco was on the field. And we got glimpses of that with Deshaun. We got pieces and parts, but we've yet to get the long stretch of that, right? It just, with Deshaun, it's been just this uphill battle to get the offense running and in the same direction and get everyone on the same page and knock off the rust and things like that. It just, the rhythm 
it's been glimpses. Yeah, there hasn't been much of a rhythm with Deshaun. Where in whereas like Joe walked in the door and and took the field and like immediately shots down the field. They're connecting like oh David Njoku's still on the roster. Well, that's nice to discover. Oh, Amari Cooper still being paid twenty million dollars a year to catch footballs, and he look at there, he's catching the football. All right, it's amazing what happens when you throw the football to him. Like, it just the, you, the explosiveness in the passing game mm-hmm. was just so fun to watch. Even with Joe throwing picks, it was yeah. it was fun to watch. You were on your toes every time he dropped back. Joe Flacco's an older version of Josh Allen, right? Less mobile. <laughs> well. Because, I, because a big am, part of Josh is I'm that— I'm going to disagree because I think Joe Flacco did a heck of a job in the play-action game. I mean, in the play-action game, yes, but he was not going to take and, off and run well, for 15 no, yards. But the rollouts and getting outside the yeah. pocket and moving and—man. But so much of what Josh Allen, that makes him as dangerous as he is, By is the way, you can see him take off for 55 yards the way he did against Pittsburgh. My, Joe my Flacco favorite Joe Flacco play-action is when he put the football behind his back. Oh, but that's he, the best he one. He faked the hand yeah. off. He and put the ball behind his back as he's running. Oh, but that just that was just so fun to watch. Like the Browns became fun to watch. Yes, with Joe Flacco at quarterback. One hundred percent correct. You, you know, and and instead of guys feeling like the season was over when Deshaun got hurt, like I, the Amari Cooper. I remember he was at he was asked about Flacco. And Amari said he's a faith multiplier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we'll, we'll see. Thoroughly. All right. But then as the weeks went on and the games went on, I was like, yeah, this guy really is a faith multiplier. Yeah. These, guys be- these guys believe Joe can take him there. And hopefully next year it's the same thing when Deshaun comes back. Like, uh, Hopefully like it's a passing of the baton. But when you look at Flacco's future – he, he did say he wants to play. He doesn't want to hold a clipboard. He showed he's got something in the tank. Now, I, I don't know that he's going to carry a team to the playoffs from start to finish. Showed he can do it, though. But he showed he still can. I mean, maybe not start to finish, right. but, you know. But some big games. Hey, you know, maybe there's a team that drafts a quarterback that needs a bridge to carry it for one or two years to teach the youngster how to be a professional right? Mm-hmm. Joe's your guy. Yeah. He re- he really is. I would love it if the Browns could bring him back. I really would. I don't know how that would, would work, the dynamic. But, you know, those that were trying to bring, well, I don't know if Joe and Deshaun really get along. If you if you really paid attention to the Browns' sideline, those two got along. They really did. I do think it makes for a more interesting dynamic when Deshaun's available to play, what that relationship but, looks like. But because his- it's one thing to get along with a guy that's playing awesome when there's nothing you can do. You know what we learned injured. this year? And not just here in Cleveland, but everywhere around the National Football you League. You need more than one. Your backup quarterback really, really matters. You're right. You're right. You, I agree with that. I just wonder if. And going forward for the Browns, the backup quarterback's going to matter. It is. Like, I want to I dive into what are the chances he's back? What does it have to look like across the league? That's what we'll do next. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Danny Cunningham. Filling in for Ken and Anthony. Right here on 92.3 The Fan. Danny Cunningham, Daryl Ryder filling in for Ken and Anthony right here on 92.3 The Fan. Mitch, why aren't we doing coming? What's Isn't this time for coming in hot? Normally it is. What's going on? Guys, we're not. Why? I, what happened? I can't what trust people anymore. 
Could we you called ever? in for weeks. We had to dump out the whole show. Couldn't even do the last segment. And then it sounds like we're swimming underwater when you're listening in your car because they were ramping back up. <laughs> so until the people of Cleveland get get a couple things under control, you know, maybe control the innuendo a little bit, maybe not call out other media members in town, coming in hot's on hold for a little bit. We're wow. just going to take a little break. Wow. So, so what you're saying is that uh, – <clears throat> You're, you're having to discipline and lay down Well, the it's when I get pulled into meeting after meeting after meeting from the guys, you know, that walk around here in their plaid shirts and their jeans trying to tell me what to do. Looking like they're selling paper towels. Brownie man. Hope you're <laughs> listening down there. Yeah, I definitely have a no, no meeting on Friday policy. That's that the is, dream. That's what I've lived my life by for the last <laughs> seven years. By the way, a uh, quick look outside. Um, yeah, it's, st- Ooh, it's, it's getting it's, worse. It's still snowing. This just in. It's still snowing. So please be careful on the roadways. Uh, I can't see any pavement out, out the window here. Uh, take your time. Let's not be playing bumper cars on the freeway. Make room for the plows. Let those folks do their jobs so they can keep things nice and safe uh, for us. But if you're heading out, be careful. Give yourself extra time. It's messy. This just in. It's January. It snows here in January. This is not a foreign concept. Okay? So, Better to be late and safe than not there at all. Thank you. You're welcome. Now I feel like Dad. Thank you, Dad. 216-474-0092. Don in Cuyahoga Falls. What's up, Don? Guys, first I have to say, great job subbing in today. I'm really enjoying the commentary. Thank you. My, my comment relates to before the break when you were talking about having Flacco back. Mm-hmm. Flacco can be the settling influence we need in the quarterback room. He is a professional, proven winner. Yeah, he had a bad second-half start. I don't care. When he gets on the field, his presence just makes them a more professional team. Deshaun is an incredible athlete. He needs to learn from Flacco how to be an incredible team quarterback because right now too often he depends on his athletic skills instead of working the program and I think that if he can learn that from Flacco he can be superior but right now Joe is the epitome of a team guy and Deshaun is still a me guy that's it have a great day be safe Don thank you for the call I don't know if I agree with the me guy thing but I mean I can't comment on that because I'm not in that locker room the way you are I think that's a better thing for you I'll say this I do feel like Joe could I agree with Don. I think that Joe could help Deshaun. Yeah, there's value in having Joe Flacco back. Behind the scenes. But, again, the the issue here is that Joe has aspirations still. And and he showed that he still can play. Um, So Yeah, this isn't Chad Henney, right? Yeah, I mean, I I just – Joe's going to have to make a decision. Is he willing to hold the clipboard and wait his turn if he's called upon – and, you know, be the shoulder for Deshaun to lean on and the council and things like that. Um, I, I I don't think so. Well, I, what I, does the quarterback market have to look like elsewhere for Joe Flacco to be back in Cleveland? Because I think well, that is ultimately well, I, the question. I'll tell you this. I, I, I will tell you this. He'll be on a roster somewhere next year. I can't imagine him not. Um, and I do feel like a bridge opportunity could – be in the offing for him if if again it's it's it all comes down to what joe wants do to you do you think he still wants to do that though he did that essentially with with uh drew lock in denver he did it with wilson in new york he's seen that and you saw it's not a fun job right because but it's the better, team around but, you isn't but any it's good a decently paying job and yeah. it's a better job than one 
being a for sure backup where if you're a bridge guy and you're playing great, they're not going to bench you. It's unlikely they bench you. Or two, but it's not being just on the couch. You. It's not just you playing great. The Everybody's got to be playing great. Because even fair. if you're playing well and the team is not having success, they will at some point just go, hey, we got to see what the kids got. The organization matters too, and I don't really have a high opinion of the New York Jets well, organization Well, yeah, both of those that I mentioned are not great organizations right, right now. Um, and I think that that's a factor too. But I, I'd love if Joe would come back. And again, I feel he would absolutely be – a benefit to Deshaun Watson, even though they might be two different style players. Yes. And I, I think that there are some places where it would be in the best interest of that specific organization for him to go in and be the starter, depending on what shakes out elsewhere this off season. But I would be very, very surprised if he's not on a roster when training camp rolls around the way that he wasn't. His phone's going to ring. He's not going to have to wait till next November to get a phone call. Exactly. Sam in Cleveland, you're next up on the fan. What's up, Sam? So when this topic came up earlier, Carmen was saying he does he didn't know if the fans or media could be able to handle it if they brought Flacco back, which I you know, I, I don't really care about what the fans think about that. But Daryl, I have a question for you. How do you think number four would handle it? Because there are times where we know that he lacks confidence and that prevents him from playing to, uh, uh, to his max ability. And I just wonder, you know, knowing that he would be looking over his shoulder if he makes a mistake, knowing that Flack was on the sidelines, what do you think, do you think four would resist Flacco signing here? No, actually, and thanks for the call, I I don't, um, and here's why. Just look at how those two got along. I mean, the the chest bumping, the fist bumping, all those type of things. Watson was here during all of this. Well, yeah, during the, like the, the towards playoff, the end, right? not yeah. for all of it, but right. towards the end. I towards just the wonder. End, he really embraced it and the success and all that kind of thing. So I, I don't think that it would be a. Uh, I I don't think that Watson would be a roadblock or or be difficult. I, I just I wonder if Deshaun Watson being healthy has a different attitude about it than Deshaun Watson, who was on injured reserve and can't play. Because when Joe Flacco's playing well, yeah. Deshaun Watson can be there to cheer him on because Deshaun Watson knows no matter what he does, there is nothing he can do to put himself right. on the field next year. The reason the reason I want Flacco back is twofold. One, uh, because of the positive influence that we've been discussing that I feel he would have on Deshaun. And then number two, if God forbid something happens again to Deshaun, whether he's got a muscle pull or something else, mm-hmm. which I'm very concerned about his durability it's going forward. And, and again, I'm not hating on the kid, but it, it, it's a concern for me. Yeah. It's, it's, I am worried. He hasn't played a full schedule in years. It's what, three, four years since he's played a full, well, six, now it's 17. They've even added a game. Since 20, 2020 was the last time he played 16 games in a season. So it, 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 I look at Joe Flacco as a pretty good insurance policy. We'll see if it's one they take out. I don't. I don't think Joe Flacco is going to I be back. I hope they do. I'm rooting for it. Well, I just think Am he's going to root for that. Dude, what do you okay. want? It's your life. I just think he's going to get a better opportunity elsewhere. It's your life. It's well, not true. my life. Who am, I, who am I to say what you're allowed to do, Daryl? Uh, you know, well, I have a lot of people in my life that like to tell me what to do. Yeah, I'm not one of them. Okay, count me out on that. Right. I've got enough responsibility. But great show today. Really enjoyed the opportunity to fill in for Ken and Anthony today. Had a blast. Again, if you're driving out there, stay safe. Take your time. Our thanks go out to Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com, the plain dealer, for joining the show. For Mitch Spinell, Owen Lodeman, and Daryl Ryder, I'm Danny Cunningham. Stay safe out there, everybody.
Cool, I got on the last show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 